Yeah, that was not the story of the guy I met. He made a song in the bathroom. He made it, <laughs> it came back. He's like, hey, check out this track. And it was dubstep. Like sampling a fucking. He was eating vegan stuff too. I would imagine Skrillex would be vegan. No. Yeah. What did he eat on the flight? Anything? Uh, no, probably peanuts or something. Peanuts. It was the Southwest flight. Vegan. <laughs> vegan. A vegan true peanuts. Vegan. How was he doing this on the flight too? Was he just like? Not that he was like taking samples and arranging, like, oh, okay. arranging samples, and was like, "Hey, check this out! Look what I just made." And we were like, "What?" <laughs> oh damn! Which is like, like a... 2011, I want to say. That so, was peak time to meet. That Skrillex. was like it. Well, he was like, we booked, we booked seven shows, seven Skrillex shows or eight Skrillex shows, and it was, it was like the first time we ever an artist sold so many tickets. We were like, "Here, we're gonna give you more money because." You did so well. It was like we booked him like six months earlier, and like it was all like before the Grammy, first Grammy nomination, but like after it blew up, and we was like every show was ran like Bourbon Street, like Rich. We did Richmond, we did Norfolk, we did we did Pittsburgh, we did I think we did Philadelphia. Like it was, oh, it was out of control. That's a good promo company, though. You guys are throwing a little bonus, you know? Right. Well, we were like we we were like was, yeah, I think it was like thousand bucks a show, and we're like shows are like grossing 25 grand like yeah. 20 grand 15 grand whatever can't even remember but i mean selling out bourbon street was not easy back then. like no. what what place did he play or did he play bourbon street people like bourbon remember bourbon street downtown yeah, down by oh, oh, I, I'm thinking new orleans. no 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 no. it was like the old hammerjacks and like it sold out in new orleans yeah he sold out all of new Orleans, the whole bourbon street <laughs> everybody take <laughs> your fucking tubas and go home yeah. all right we're going to give you a thousand bucks to play to 50,000 tourists. <laughs> Is this jazz? <laughs> it was really awkward when he bumped uh, bumped some serious jazz musicians. Oh, yeah, stage. yeah. Exactly, <laughs> dude. Exactly. Guys, live from the studio, I'm Jimmy Seleski. Merrick Glazer. We're here with our fine friend, returning to the cast. Uh, you were here, what, a year ago? A year ago, about. Yeah. yeah. It almost, if I'm not mistaken, was to the month right my, it's it's i just sent that episode to someone and it's like right in like that april range we're almost i think it's almost a year wow wow let's check evan weinstein part owner of uh what is it what was it with the numbers we were at 4.83 percent uh owner of moonrise <laughs> <laughs> may 2nd we did may 2nd cool okay so we're all, yeah. damn damn okay I just push this back yeah, we went on the second. <laughs> the second. <laughs> That's probably when it came out. We probably should, did April or something. And two hundred percent owner of the famous underground pizza. Famous. Uh, now in uh, power plant, but even more now. If you're listening now, now mm-hmm. coming to you in Towson, <laughs> our favorite place. I love Towson. Mm-hmm. We got a Whole Foods now. Oh my god, it's <laughs> nice. It's too nice. <laughs> what else? Do we, have? we have a Whole Foods. There was something else. Oh, we have a Sweet Green. We have a Whole Foods. We mm-hmm. have a Shake Shack. What is that? I mean, what are you in DC? Is that what you're talking about? No, this is Towson yeah. now. Oh I mean, my God. ten years ago I would have said <laughs> you're describing yeah. DC, but now I'm like, it's Towson. Yeah, dude, we got the White House now. We have all the stuff. <laughs> yeah. All there's stuff. a mo- there's a Washington Monument. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dave Chappelle is from where we are. It's yeah, so interesting. <laughs> Towson is really on the come up. 
Uh, yeah, so you guys are opening up. What was the official opening day? Three days from now? Four I days I think from it's now? next, not this coming weekend. We've got a couple, one more inspection to do. i got a couple pieces of equipment to drop, but um, uh, next weekend. So like May, the first full weekend in May. And this uh, new location, uh, I'm curious, is it going to have a bar? Because the one down in Power Plant it's, has a bar, correct? It's not right away. We're still figuring out the liquor license. So, But it's going to be takeout, delivery, dine-in, late maybe, night. Maybe you could help me with this liquor license thing because I have always wondered. Um, they say that there's a, a limited amount, correct? Correct. Limited amount. And uh, so you can't make new ones. It's like energy. Liquor it's, licenses are like energy. There's there's some places, though, some buildings can have them issued based on the building and mm-hmm. parameters with the building. So we're looking into that because we're going to be in the penthouse building, which is commercial and it's residential and it's got all this different stuff going on. So we believe that fits. Well, there was a bar there and it, it hasn't been open that that. If I'm thinking of the right place, where you're planning on opening has not been occupied for quite some time. It's like 2015. Like the fire yes. extinguishers from, were from like 2015. There was a place, I think it was called Rodeo or El Rodeo. El Rodeo, that's it. Mm. I couldn't remember the name. That really no. tried hard with karaoke nights. Um, <laughs> but I think they had a liquor license. I don't know. They did. They did. So that's what we're trying to figure out how to. I think you should hit up, okay, little Towson inside baseball here. Yeah. You know? You know a guy? Uh, I think you should hit up Towson Best see if they'll they'll sell you their liquor license. What's really the Chinese food place, dude? I had a beer there the other day. I was like, you guys don't really sell that much beer. They're like, no, we just have the thing. And I was thinking, like, those things are expensive in that immediate area. I know. I feel like they're I've wasting. Heard it. They're like three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, Ooh. they're an asset. Oh yeah, totally. Like, we our friends just own not like super close friends, but the guys on the reservoir are the guys from the reservoir, the uh, old old little dickies. Um, they oh, is that what they're calling? It? I looked into yeah. taking that over too. Oh, point. really? You were looking yeah. at taking over a little? Di- yeah, that, that place is crazy. That place has been open for about. Uh, well, it was just kind of running with the little Dicky sign, and mm-hmm. then they finally got the new sign for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they had to like take out like life savings type shit to get a loan for the uh, liquor license. Like it's intense. I, wow. Yeah, it's it's not cheap. It came with the liquor. I thought it came with the liquor license though. I, I don't know. I don't know, dude. Can't you just let me make shit up? No, I believe it. (laughs) I I mean, it might have been in part of like... You had to to give your first... Oh, right. The the caveat was firstborn or life savings. Mm -hmm. That was was the deal in the lease. So here's here's why I think that the UPC is going to be a successful Towson staplehold. A, because the piece is banging, Detroit style. Uh, B, because us... Towson people, we are used to York Road being the strip, right? And everything that you want to go to is on York Road, with an occasional dip down Pennsylvania if you want to go to CVP or CNR. But for the most part, that strip now, and I think this might have been why Rodeo didn't succeed back, you know, ten years ago, is because nobody really thought of going down Allegheny as a viable going out option. Nobody goes past Towson Hot Bagel. But no. now, oh, t- totally. That's it. Unless That's you're the me, bank in the street and, and everything else. Kitchen, is, baby. You're a yeah. lawyer or you work at the bank mm-hmm. or you live up there in that big building. But now with Bandito's moving in, there's yep. no way you're going to tell me that Bandito's isn't about to be a popping ass bar. I, I mean, I'm a, when I heard Bandito's was moving in, I was like, the block is hot. Like we're, we're about to have traffic down here. And then from what I understand, and they... The, I got a DM from them. There's a really good bakery. I don't know that they've announced it yet, so I'm not going to blow their spot up because I don't 
there's a really good bakery going in next door to us, and that got me excited because I love bread. Oh, really? What's so the bakery like, called? It's, nice try. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Um, but they're, they're opening a bunch of locations around the area and it's a really high end, like Bavarian baker. Oh, nice. So, I might as well just tell you it's Rogan art. So they're all over. I was they used that. to be on falls road mm-hmm. actually toward their old space is like a possible location at one point during the pandemic. And they, I had heard they were coming and then the guy DM me. So I guess I can say it on the, it, he DM me. So it's he real. DM, he DM yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. What's, yeah. What's going on? So um, as the proprietor, are you like, now that you own multiple locations, two locations, are you three? Gonna, we three? opened in Silver Spring. Oh, in shit. February. Ooh. Yeah. How's that going? It's great. It's, we're, we're, it's a phased opening. So we started with like takeout and we added delivery. Working on dining. We're going to get a liquor license down. Definitely getting a liquor license down there because you can just, it's different down in Silver Spring. Mm-hmm. Everyone just applies, and if you're, I guess, a good citizen, you get a liquor license. Mm. Why can't they do that in Baltimore County? That's because cause the man wants to just hold us down. I don't know. Why can't I prove I'm dope and get a liquor license for yeah. the studio? Yeah. My pizza's good. I should get a liquor license. That you should. should. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of places with shitty pizza that have liquor licenses. I have good pizza. That's phenomenal. You're bringing, you're, we're, we're, as we t- discussed before the podcast with the whole food and the sweet green and all that stuff, I think that was during the podcast, actually, now I'm thinking about it, but we are becoming a real, real uh, contender, contender in the area right you know like i used to love annapolis because it was like everything was there like you had whole foods you had good restaurants it's coming up around here i feel like it's we're getting the things that other people have that towson's been missing and you guys are gonna have a, a shitload of business just from that building you're in dude. right i mean if there was yeah, a and we'll have deliver i mean when you think about the delivery and like our, our pizza's not cheap like it's mm-hmm. high end but there's a lot of people who want hot like not good food delivered to their door yeah. So, and you guys, well, and been, if you're doing late night, right? We're gonna go. We'll go till close. one a.m., two a.m. A lot of places close like ten, eleven. Right. Yeah, unfortunately. But if you guys have that popping banditos crowd leaving the bar at oh, two a.m., yeah. it's gonna be hard not to open the doors for yeah. them, dude. You um, know what I mean? I feel like they're gonna open the doors for themselves if we <laughs> yeah. if we don't. So yeah. <laughs> we walk in. There's a bunch of drunk people cooking pizza. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's also throws a big wrench in. Um, Real quick, that throws a big wrench in next year's bracket, too. Bandito's opening up in Taos, and that's a huge... I know. And we're going to have to, if we're across the street from them, it's like we're cousins. Yeah. And so well, you are going to have to pull for them, but I'm gonna, they have to knife fight me in the alley. Well, you have to knife fight the owners of Das Beer Hall this year. Still. I'm excited. You have to be yeah, open. They're going yeah. down. So <laughs> <laughs> tune in Saturday, May 7th, folks. We got the little party at Das Beer Hall coming at you where uh, we'll be featuring comedy, music... And a knife fight. Yeah. From the owner of Underground Pizza. <laughs> Just for reference, I was threatening anyone who won the contests that they ran. The, 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 what is it called? The, the, the Baltimore Bar Classic. The Baltimore Bar Classic. Mm-hmm. I was the challenging the winner of that contest to a knife fight in an alley for the, for the crown. And you got an alley right there, dude. I mean, we can make it happen. <laughs> We're doing this. Well, Jimmy you, has fought in that alley before. Oh, yeah, dude. You got to fight in the alley, dude. Yeah. Oh, wrestled. 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 Yeah, we're going to call wrestling fighting from now on. All right, cool. <laughs> sounds cooler. <laughs> it does sound cooler. I fought all through high school. Um, so you, I see you brought in a couple pieces here today. Yeah. We tried the masterpiece, the margarita, which I think is a contender for my favorite all-time uh, type of pizzas, margarita. That, that's, my favorite, that's my favorite slice right now. And mm-hmm. honestly, like for me... 
I'd never, I never said that about one of our slices. I ate that pizza and I was like, this is my favorite slice in the country. Dude, I think what you should do is now I'm thinking about it and now that I'm part owner of your business, I think that you, <laughs> trademark, <laughs> you Copyright. should combine with your neighboring restaurants, get a little, uh, Katmandu Kitchen's right next door. Maybe get a little tikka masala pizza. That'd be cool. Katmandu's got really good food. They're the best. It's, it's on my list of like, I went there. So I, when I was in, this is my sophomore year, junior year of college, I needed a job and I ended up at Valpac. You know what that is? Uh, Those fucking mailers that come to your, the blue envelope. That come mm, to your house. Really? And uh, yeah, I, I was a, a, an assistant, like a administrative assistant for like the top salesman. And that Katmandu was like one of his clients and he would just drag me around with him to like client meetings and sell these guys fucking dreams of like, Hey, if you, if you buy these coupon inserts, like your place is going to do good. And it's, I'm like Did watching, I quit after like three months. Cause I was like, this guy is selling bullshit. Yeah. I like knew. Jeez. I was like, these people are like dying to get their kid. Now maybe not Katmandu, but there was like a ton of restaurants that I was like, no one's coming with a coupon for your restaurant. Well, that was also, back. yeah, <laughs> that was also uh, antiquated. This would have been for you, what, in the late 2000s? This was like 2003 or four or something like that. This so that was, was towards the tail end when mail in. When internet was just start, eBay was just starting, Amazon was just starting. But like, still, I just felt bad watching these people be like, hey, I'm going to, I'm like, who's opening these and being like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get my tires rotated. And then I'm going to go buy two for one burritos at the yeah. local burrito place that I've never heard of because I found a coupon in this envelope. They like, like they gave a booklet of them to us in high school. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? We had like yes. a whole Coop- assembly <laughs> at school and they're like, hey, check out these coupons. Give them to your parents. Valpac like, did that? I don't know if it was that specific Probably. company. Did they but sell like, like they sell like, hey, if you sell these coupon books, I think was so. that like a thing in the? I feel like, like it was that. in the '90s. That was like a huge thing. Like the coupon books. Here we're gonna employ high school kids to go sell these fucking coupons. Yeah, like go steal information. <laughs> Honestly, not a terrible business plan because uh, when I was 11, I did some uh, freelance marketing for Long and Foster Realty. Yeah, and by that I mean. I was just walking around Towson Festival, and then this realtor was like, "Hey, here's a bunch of cars. Go and give them to everybody you meet." But like, nobody says no to like an 11 year old kid. No, you know, 100. percent Couldn't do that now. No, it's smart. It's just like Girl Scout cookies. Girl Scout cookies is the ultimate hustle. It really there's is. There's a bunch of cookies that are probably made with a bunch of shitty ingredients, mm-hmm. but we put a Girl Scout on them, and then we're gonna have the Girl Scouts go sell them. It's it's, Good idea. Yeah. We're going to start having Girl Scouts sell pizza. Girl Scouts might have <laughs> overtaken uh, Boy Scouts at this point, right? Boy Scouts is on the downfall. Yeah. Our resident Eagle oh. Scout can chime in on I this. Know. I feel like it's, you know, Boy Scouts. Even when I was in Boy Scouts, I was like, this isn't cool. Yeah. I don't think the new generation coming up was like, you know what? We were wrong about that. I think they still think it's lame. Yeah, but you had a cool troop, though. You guys cool smoked troop. and did cool stuff. Mm-hmm. No cookie sales. We like we had to sell popcorn, and then around Christmas we sold wreaths. I'm not sure why, to be honest. I don't know anyone who's ever bought a wreath. I, for some <laughs> reason, like someone's mom, I guess, who I've yeah. met probably bought a wreath. I feel like a lot of like people in our parents' generation like. I feel a like if the Boy Scouts sold wreath. weed, mm. they would. They should get. It would help with the, and it would go with the girl. <laughs> you buy the cookies. 
Buy the weed from the Boy Scouts. Buy the cookies from the girls. It would reestablish the Boy Scouts. And then they 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 could collab and make some 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 edibles. Exactly. (laughs) It would definitely make a lot of kids think it was more cool. Absolutely, a hundred percent, dude. That was why I stopped doing it because I was like, "This is." I'm gonna get. I was a loser. I'm gonna get canceled for like insinuating children should sell weed. Well, not I feel like no. this is going to come back to me in like 10 years. So. Not sure. No, that'll be, that'll be a norm in 10 years. Yeah. You're going to get canceled for not agreeing with this idea. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to get canceled for doubting it. Okay, <laughs> boomer. You don't think children should sell weed? Don't you know it's 100% non addictive, zero <laughs> health detriments? It's organic. <laughs> That would help, dude. That would help. But you got some creations here. I saw you got the margarita. Yeah. We got the, I ate a jalapeno bacon thing, I believe. It was, um, it was the pickle bacon ranch. Pickle bacon that ranch. That thing was like so. We did a pickle festival last fall. There was a pickle festival at, at a power plant. Mm-hmm. Six thousand people. And we sold a hundred and eighty nine of those pizzas by the slice. My God! Wow. Like I've never seen. I was away. I was at a music festival that I was running. I was like, "What the hell?" It was like our biggest day of the fall. It was like this fucking pickle festival, and I, I the pizza was good. That's a good market because pickles, uh, it's like a lot. I know a lot of girls that think it's like quirky to like pickles. Like that's like one of the things that like just brag about how much they love pickles. So I feel like when you have a festival like that, it's just like, I feel like pickles really found their niche as like a food. You know what I mean? Definitely. I feel like they were, they were shunned for a while. Like people were like, oh, pickles aren't cool. Like nerds eat pickles. And now people are like. Pickles are cool. Pickles are cool, <laughs> dude. Girls love pickles. Hot girls love pickles. Hot girls do love pickles. Hot girls love pickles. For some Hot reason. girls love pickles and spicy food. Oh, they do. Yeah. They do. And if they don't, guess what? Not hot. <laughs> Not hot. <laughs> There's nothing less attractive than a girl who's like, I don't eat pickles or spicy food. Yeah. 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 Like, like chicken fingers. Like, yeah. I don't no. I actually hey, don't listen. Chicken fingers, chicken are, fingers good. are good, but like but if you're like, I'm gonna pass on. What if you pepperoni. get a nice little fermented hot sauce with it? It's too that's, spicy. That's great. When people are like, mayonnaise is spicy. Like you got to draw a line. Well, I'm just yeah. Well, I'm just <laughs> I'm just thrown off when, uh, especially with guys, but even with girls. When girls like people are picky in general. Like I dated a couple of vegans, yeah. and it was just like, yeah, you know what I mean. It's you just have to look. I dated a v. I've dated a couple of vegans. And you got like, to. Here's my, I, I, I summed it up because I'm really good friends with a girl I dated who was vegan. And I realized like we got along really well. It was very simpatico. It was like very chill. But like it, I realized I'm like, this is never going to, I can't be with a vegan. Yeah. Cause like I love food too much and I love, I want to go out to dinners. I want to go to places where you don't get to pick what you're getting. You can't, there's no vegan option at some yeah. of these places. Like, yeah. Pizza is really important, and we make a really good vegan pizza. But like, if you're gonna date like seriously and be with the person, like that's your life. It's right? it's so really gotta, it's unsustainable. I think even for the I think in order to, and this is not a knock on vegans, right? Maybe eventually I, there will yeah. be some knocks in this conversation. Come right. from me as a judgmental person, but uh, I was like my, like my chicken finger comment. <laughs> <laughs> you're not hot. <laughs> Um, I was vegan last week for Greek Easter, and that's how I knew that it was the same time last year, because last year when you came here, it was in the middle of Holy Week as well, in which I'm not supposed to eat any meat or dairy. Right. And then that night, I was like, well, I can't not eat this pizza, right. you know? So I did. But even during that week, it was like, 
I would go to places and then like I couldn't bring myself to ask them like, do you have any vegan options? Because I couldn't bring myself to be that guy. Right. So like my girlfriend had to do it. It's also a lifestyle. <laughs> it's also it's it's not a knock on vegans, but if you're not vegan, it's a real commitment to be like, I'm gonna be with some especially if food's important to you. Well, but it's it's on it's some hard, level. It's a lifestyle. It's a huge piece of a lifestyle. So it's like it's and you could do it with anything. If like somebody was like, I'm Jewish, right? Mm -hmm. And if I couldn't date an Orthodox Jew who was hardcore Orthodox Jew, it just wouldn't yeah. our lifestyles would not mesh up, even it so it's like a full commitment. So I yeah. gotta either fully commit at least at home to being vegan and mm -hmm. cooking vegan and doing vegan thing doing vegan dinners and all that all the time, or I have to say this isn't going to work because, like, yes. I can't make that commitment. So yeah, I'm not going to sneak I out know, to get like, a hamburger. I know Sneaking. somebody, like, that same girl is dating somebody who, like, made the jump to being vegan. And, I, like, he wasn't vegan. And I'm like, I'm like, that's cool. Like, that's that cool. he was willing, like, that's a real, like, commitment. It would have been cooler if she made the jump to not being vegan. But, yes. <laughs> it would have been, been easier. <laughs> What did you bring us, by the way? This is Firm. Uh, this is a local. Firm. So they're in Crofton. Excellent brewery. I don't like IPAs, and I love their IPAs are awesome. We just did a tasting. We did a tasting dinner there for um, Valentine's Day. Seventy-five tickets, six courses, all paired with a different beer from them. It was. I think their beer is incredible. I really do like this, and I'm also not an IPA guy either. Right. I think I'm a one IPA guy. Their IPA is like i don't like ipa like i if i take a sip of ipa i'm like yeah. your ipa i can drink a whole ipa or whatever it's really smooth and it's not too bitter it's definitely it's another one of those things that really popped off in the past couple of, i would say 15 years ago. oh beer oh well beer yes but beer's always been big yeah. you know beer's always beer's had a great marketing team beer used to be like before we had clean water beer was like what you drank right like beer has a longer run. Damn you, Clean Water Act! <laughs> Literally, dude. <laughs> Miller Lite's just moving in on Flint as we speak. <laughs> Running Miller in the faucets. <laughs> oh my God, we're, we're decontaminating with beer. I mean, but that is what they did, and apparently that was also what the whole purpose of the lemon with the water when you go to a restaurant was to disinfect it to some level. Does that do? Oh. Does that work? I've I like heard to that. think it does. There's got to be like the lemon very. Very germy does, though. Does it prevent scurvy? Uh, it does, does it? prevent scurvy. <laughs> That's also a positive of lemon and water. P definitely a plus. I don't. It's you have to wash the lemons. Here's my problem with lemons and limes in soda or beer or whatever. You guys Nobody, might want to tune out for this one. Yeah. This is <laughs> oh, <laughs> too hot. You go to a bar, you go to a bar and you're like, somebody they put a lime in your drink and you look at it and it's one of those limes that you know has been sitting there oh. and the outside's been like breaking down a little bit and I'm like. The fuck? Who did this? Gross. Yeah, when did, did they cut look? this? Yeah. Yeah. Why is this brown? And <laughs> limes were really expensive for a while, too. During COVID? Did you did you ever read up on the cartel shit with limes? There's a cartel lime involvement? Well, a lot of limes come from Mexico. A lot of limes, avocados come from Mexico. I believe it. So there was, like, cartel shit where they were, like, jacking lime trucks and, like, prevent, like, like driving the price. It was, like, some cartel shit where it was, like... The price was being artificially driven up by like hijackings Jeez. of like cargo. Wow. And specifically limes, limes, not lemons. Limes from Mexico. About? I don't, lemons, I think, come from 
I don't know where the fuck lemons come from. I think lemons can grow in California. They definitely grow lemons and stuff in California, but like everyone's go-to excuse is like, oh yeah, it's a supply chain issue. Yeah, I think Sorry. QR codes. I think that would have been the time to invest in big QR because they were on the downslope for such a long time. QR and was so lame until COVID. I I it it revived QR. It did. Yeah, QR it did. was dead. <laughs> like, but then I think that that's a perfect example of like stuff that annoys me now that it's like you're using it as an excuse like now when you go to a restaurant and it's like uh, this is coming from a guy who had a terrible phone up until like two months ago right now i just have a slightly less terrible phone but like you go to a restaurant and they don't have like just i'm just you don't have one menu we don't have menus i oh, gotta really? print them it's on the list of shit to get to i'm just busy opening restaurants yeah we're gonna have menus eventually we're getting a new cocktail menu beer like bar menu and then like I Regular get it, menu. but then at the same time, it's like I'll I'll go out. Like my my parents will come to like see me play at like a bar, and they won't have menus. And I'm like watching my like parents in their 60s, right? And Try and like, figure out a QR code. It's yeah, a pain yeah. in the ass. I used to not be able to. I don't know. My phone like wouldn't read them right, and like I like, can't get the shit to come up. I'm like, all right, I'll just starve. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I'll just guess. I'm assuming you have this. What if your camera's broken? Then I, what? I, exactly. You're and then I, I, you're not eating. You're not eating. I'll just take, you have crackers? <laughs> <laughs> Please. I, I went to the Towson Town Mall, Towson Talk, and uh, they had on the door, instead of the hours, it was just a QR code that said scan for store hours. And I remember thinking at that time, I was thinking, I should take a picture of this and tweet it and say something snarky about it. And I didn't. And then the, three days later, I saw a viral tweet from someone who took a picture of it and said something like, all you have to do is simply post the hours. And it got like 480,000. <laughs> yeah, you can literally just handwrite it. It's just it like the insane. ultimate laziness. Yeah, there was just certain things. I think, you know, we were talking about Towson Best. Towson Best, you know, they still aren't having dine in Come on, bro. They're not. They're not. You know what they did? No, they you know what they did? They this let fucked me up. In. Towson Talk. Um, <laughs> I noticed they got smaller containers for all their food and just charged the same amount. And like mm. a lot of their food comes in some questionably. And I loved, I think Towson Best for takeout. Red Szechuan Bistro is my spot. Oh, yeah. Best yeah. Chinese food probably it's just in the like Baltimore area. Uh, like one of the top Chinese food places yeah. in, the, in, the Balt in the whole Baltimore mm -hmm. area. But Towson Best is that good, like, you're ordering delivery Chinese food. Oh, yeah. That place hits the spot 10 of 10. But some of those dishes come in things, and I'm like, this was $14? And, like, look, I charged $28 for a pizza. Like, mm -hmm. I had to explain to a lady last night why, like, my pricings on a national level, like, is on, in line. But I was like, dude, they totally just, like, bought smaller things. And everyone's probably just still ordering, and no one notices. And like No one notices. Yeah. And, like, or you go... You notice and you go, eh, it's the pandemic. You're not going to say anything. Like, yes, yeah, pandemic. It's like, oh, pandemic. Restaurants had it so hard, but. The cartel is heavily <laughs> involved in big yeah. plastic the snow containers. Pee, the snow pea and water chestnut cartels are driving, <laughs> are driving up prices. You know, they have to make it smaller. Actually, your brother taught me the name of that term, uh, which is shrinkflation, shrinkflation, which is that. That's, that's yeah, the thing. It's a thing. Because mm -hmm. apparently his company, which this is public knowledge, McCormick was sued uh years ago way before covid right um and i don't even think that they were so so like basically what they were doing was they were just selling a product uh and putting less in there but keeping the container the same size like let's right. say you're buying black pepper right they would just put less black pepper in. now 
in their defense, like you're getting your old bay, and it used to say six ounces on the thing, and now it says four, but it's the same damn container. Same container, yeah. and it's that's. Good but idea. I was thinking that As a maybe CEO, that's, it's <laughs> a great idea. I mean, As a customer, like I want in on this lawsuit. Yeah, you don't become Maryland's <laughs> biggest company by fucking. <laughs> I mean, come they on. They did it. The cereal companies did it. A lot of cereal companies like made their boxes like the boxes got thinner, mm-hmm. so it's the same frontage. You're staring at the same thing in the store. But there's two to four ounces less cereal, and you're just throwing it in your cart because you're you don't eat the kicks. Your kids do, and they don't know. I no. believe in shrinkflation. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong. Like they put they put that there was a different amount on there. It's not like they lied and said right. That, like, no, I I think there's a level of like as a, as a restaurant owner now. I mean, I dealt with this last night. I'm like, ladies, like this pizza looks like it's supposed to be a half. It was forty seven dollars. How's I'm like, ma'am, it's forty seven dollars. You paid $7 for delivery. Mm-hmm. You paid a $6 tip. So now we're at, and you ordered a Tiger King, which is a $33 pizza. Yeah. It's the most expensive pizza on You're the planet. You're in menu. danger, bro. I'm like, I'm like, and if you go to our website and you click on FAQ, it literally explains the serving sizes of our pizza. Mm-hmm. And it says Detroit style. And then I sent her menus. We charge 20, 23, 24 bucks for like a large cheese, like a full size cheese. There's a place in Philly that's got great pizza called Philly John. They charge twenty three for a nine by nine. Ours is a ten by fourteen. Mm-hmm. Cheese pizza nine by nine twenty three dollars. Ours twenty three or twenty four. I honestly don't know how much it is right now, but I'm like we charge. And then I sent her Emmy Squared's pricing, which is again they only sell the half sizes. And if you double all their half sizes, it's more than any of our like. If you buy two mm-hmm. to put it, make it a whole. It's more, any single one of their pizzas is more than the comparison on ours. And ours is thicker, and it's more dough, and it's more toppings. So I'm like, ma'am, like, it's not my... If you feel cheated, it's because you didn't fucking read the website, yeah. and you didn't know what you were ordering. Yeah. And that's 99% of our, like... Well, you you follow the most important rule of business, as far as I'm concerned, which is the customer is usually wrong. I well, love, I love I, we're getting I like into it's, this. I like, oh, we're getting into We can get I into this. It. Have you read my clapbacks? Like, yeah, no, I all love the time. Oh, dude. So, like, my thing is, like, the customer's... Like the customer's the customer and treat them with respect until until no. Until yeah. And like yeah, and that's what I tell my staff. It's like once it escalates to a level, like I'm like coming for people's throat. Like I had a fucking this one girl the other week. I'll tell a good story. And this is I didn't get to clap back. I po- I think you probably saw it. Yeah. I posted I was gonna write a clap back. I even replied to her review and I was like, full clap back coming Sunday stay <laughs> folks. <laughs> and I was like getting ready to do it and i went to go write the clapback and i don't just i like don't fuck around with these clapbacks speaking oh, yeah. of that They're john in p depth. john p from baltimore county you're fucking listening i'm coming for oh, you oh you know he's listening <laughs> you, fucking re- you fucking reported me on yelp and i got a fucking i got an email from them yeah we'll but, just post this but, on yelp. but i'm gonna figure out who you are it's gonna be jay and silent bob i'm showing up to your fucking doorstep <laughs> um anyway so this girl orders food right shows up an hour after her pickup time and then it's complaining that like her mozzarella sticks aren't fully hot and her wings aren't fully crispy. Now you got the I brought these wings up, hey. got them extra crispy. She ordered them extra crispy. I I left the store. They came up at seven thirty, so I got here. You had them like what eight fifteen? Mm-hmm. They're crispy. They're very crispy. crispy. I'm talking to her and I'm like, can I see photos? Like, let me see what's going on with your pizza. She's like having an attitude about showing photos. Mm. Then. She says she tried the stuff while she was there and then took it home and then threw it all out because it was just all bad. And I'm like, you're telling me you sat outside the restaurant, tried it, 
There was a problem with the food. You left, drove to where you're going, tried it again, still a problem, threw it out. You want a refund. Uh, I'm like, sorry. Yeah. Like, and I was like, look, your mozzarella sticks looked a little overcooked. I'll give you a refund for those. And I gave her like a, a refund for the mod sticks. Anything else? I'm like, go fuck yourself. And she went and she was on Yelp writing a review immediately. And I'm just like, Yelp took it down. She actually oh, has really? a Facebook review. I got to go clap back on that Facebook. <laughs> but she didn't tell. Like, she wasn't like, oh, I showed up an hour late for my food and it wasn't fucking hot and ready. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know what to tell you at that yeah. point. Like, fuck off. Yeah. Like, and I mean that in the sincerest way. We take our food very seriously. And I'm the first. I had somebody right the other day. They had our John pizza. Didn't have a good flavor. I had one the other day. I felt like the meat could be flavored better. So we're going we're gonna to revamp that pizza soon. Gave the guy a refund. I'm like, you're right. The meat was a little bland. Yeah. We got to make this better. Mm -hmm. This is not up to our standards. Yeah. Let's figure. So I'm like, cool. Here's a gift card for another 30 bucks. You paid 30 bucks for a pizza. Here's a gift card. I'm more than happy to do that. But like at some level, like when you're just being fucking petty and, and fickle and like it's really your fault. Yeah. Fuck off. Well, people, <laughs> I mean, that's the characteristic I guess what I was getting at is of a good business owner because when you're actually passionate about your business, then you're, it's really going to affect you, A, when you know you did, like, oh, like you really cared that the meat wasn't flavored properly. Right. And so you take that, you know, personally. And, and, I'll and I'll catch people lying. Like, I've caught customers. Like, I had one lady who wrote a review and it was, like, really, like, fickle and petty and it just, she was nitpicking. And she was saying she overheard shit that was being, she, oh, I over, it was two degrees outside, right? She goes, oh, I overheard somebody doing a curbside order. The person asked for four plates and cutlery and, and the, the guy said, the, and she, both the people she had negative things to say were the black person, the, and the descriptions were like not on, like, I'm like, nobody fits that description. She's making, she's either making up the people or, or just sees like color of someone's skin. And I was like, Kind of get this vibe, like yeah, 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 like kind of racist Karen vibes, like mm -hmm. whatever. And so I just kind of took it with a grain of salt. We gave her a gift card. She was complaining, but she was saying, "Oh, I overheard this server say this." And then, like when you read the review, it was like, "White people, white people, good. Black people, bad." Like <laughs> the white people who work at your restaurant, oh, your GM's great, or like this bartender was great, but this person did this and this person mm. did this, and I was like, something's weird here. So I let her have that one, and then she. She had an issue again and she was texting and I said, she said, well, I called and I spoke to someone and they, they ensured me that the order would be made correctly. And I said, oh, what number did you call? She goes, the number for curbside. I go, oh, that's funny. It's a text line. So now you're Ooh. fucking lying. And now I'm just letting you know, I've been waiting for this and I found you to be racist in this review yeah. and I'm banning you and your husband from the store. Don't fucking order pizza. Damn. And she's like, what? What? It's a misunderstanding. And I was like, no, fuck off. Like, Really, like, I wanted you not to come back after this time, and we were trying to figure out a way to ban your phone mm -hmm. number and email address from ordering, but we'll just, like, I'm just going to tell you, don't come back. Well, that's, like, that's look, it. that's, uh, uh, I worked in restaurants for six years. I worked at the Cheesecake Factory. I worked in, uh, where the hell did I work? Eric. Yeah, well, well no, Eric worked at, uh, oh, yeah, with, with your Eric, yes. Bagel. Who I would still love if he wanted to come on the podcast. That'd be cool. I've never I met him in person. Just FaceTime him. 
Oh, f- yeah, let's FaceTime, dude. <laughs> so I worked at Cheesecake Factory, I worked in the Melting Pot, and I worked at Seasons Pizza. Um, Seasons Pizza was a much more uh, small, kind of like local franchise. I know. I sent you the picture of their wings that one day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not. Look, dude. Come on. <laughs> That's not getting that subject. It's not getting that right now. We're having a good time. Um, <laughs> Matt, Pete, chill, chill, chill. Chill, chill. Um, but Cheesecake Factory was this large, gargantuan corporation. Uh, apparently, the largest sit-down restaurant chain in the world, which I did not realize. Like the highest they grossing. All, their floor plans are so massive everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That makes sense. And they yeah. used, I mean, I know when I used to go as a kid, like it was always a wait on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh yeah. And there still is. But the problem is, is that when I worked there in the early tens, the early teens, I guess you would say, it used to be all white uniforms. Um, and like the white apron and then you could like pick your tie. Yeah. But like the reason why they did the white uniform was so that you knew that you're ser- like, you can't like cover up if you haven't like cleaned your uniform. Like right. you're just going to show dirt. You're going to have like, you know, you're walking around a kitchen eight hours a shift and like the bottoms of your pants are going to get dingy looking. And so like we would get like written up and sent home for having like dingy pants, especially me. Yeah, you big know long. Jimmy was never Now you clean. just wear oh. short shorts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, exactly no dude. dingy pant write-ups for me at this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so then, right before I got uh, released from there, um, they had Transferred. Switched, transferred. I got <laughs> transferred to Melting Pot. They switched to... Um, as, a, as a dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> they could take it off the floor. <laughs> they switched to black pants. Now when I go in there, they're all black. They're all black. And so not the staff. They're uniforms. All right? Fucking <laughs> woman's typing up the review as we speak. <laughs> um, so the uniform's all black. And so it's like kind of like a representation of like... Instead of maintaining their standards to stay what they should be at, they have lowered their own bar. So right. that now, but then what happens is when you lower your bar, you open the door for more people like me who don't want to follow the rules. And now it's harder to catch it. Right. And it's like you kind of bring down the integrity of your entire brand by doing that, which then you bring, when you bring down the integrity of your brand, you also bring in a lower tier of clientele as well. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, there, there's also like, I think there's a level of, you know, filtering that goes on when you're hiring where, or you have staff and that, that, that was probably a filter. Like, dude, if you can't keep your pants clean, you can't work here. Right. Yeah. Like, my thing right now is I'm hiring and I have these ads going and like people are going, where are you located at? I'm like, if you saw my ad and you can't, and you, you want to say, hi, how are you? Like, like, cool. You can DM us and then click on, like, if you're going to message us through Instagram, cause there's also an email address, like click on the fucking page and look where we're at. Like go on Google. Like, yeah, you know, the why, ad like, that said, hiring I know for you're Towson. not going to go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, why not go? You didn't read the ad. You didn't look at where we're at. You did. You spent no time. Like you're not. And like, look, we only have a. Li- we pay really well. We have a limited amount of positions open. I. If you were one of the people who asked where you're located, the person who said the other day, I said, "What do you want? Hey, interested?" I'm like, "What do you want to do?" They're like, "Look, I, I want to serve, but you know, I just feel like your company needs my energy." And I like, I'm oh, like, no. I love that. No, I oh, love you did that. like that. I'm yeah, like, look, nice. you're saying you're like motivate. Okay. To the person okay. who goes, where are you located? Because I'm just too fucking lazy to click on your profile and look or just spend two minutes in Google to be like, hey, is this a place where I want to work? Like, is it 
anywhere like close to where like I am. Yeah. So I just find it like, yeah, there's these filters. And so like the white pants thing was, it's a smart filter to be like, who's maintaining, who's not. But at the same time, like they probably figured they couldn't, they probably couldn't hold on to people. Well, that that's (laughs) the issue is that, that like you have a company like cheesecake factory. And then when they bring down, I don't know, dude, when they bring down their brand, it then it, if you bring down your brand, like we're saying, it brings down it brings down the patronage as well, because you know, like y- everything suffers. If you're not willing to say, "Hey, you know what? You don't like my fucking pizza. Don't come back." Right. You know, if instead you're going, "All right, well, I guess we got to bend over back versus this person, right. and take money here." And certain corporations like Cheesecake Factory had made a conscious business decision because I remember. Uh, them talking about it, how like you know, like, and everyone knows. So like, everyone knows that if you go into a big chain restaurant like that and you complain enough, they will comp your They'll whole. They'll just do whatever. They'll give thing. and like, yeah. And so what happens is if you're if you're a server there and you know that this restaurant is is placating to people that are coming in there to cause a problem. Right. To get their way, to stiff you, then any server worth of salt saying, "I'm not fucking working here. Why would I work at a place that's not like right. I'm getting stiffed on half my well, tables?" A, you 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 can get a good stat. Yeah, exactly. You're you're letting your your the customers dictate whether they're going to pay or not. Mm-hmm. There and that, like specifically that girl who complained. If you went through her Yelp, it's all revenge Yelps. It's all one stars attacking yeah. places that like. Oh, her nail. It was so funny because her nail broke at some place in uh, Cockeysville. Mm. And my marketing director for Steve's was like, I get my nails done there. They're phenomenal. And she like wrote a one star, like my nail broke. And then I called them and then they like, they fixed it. But like, blah, blah, blah. And like, even after they fixed her nail, like she was bitching about it. Yeah. I'm going to post the link to this podcast to hear her talking shit about me. <laughs> That's going to be my class. That's what I'm thinking, <laughs> dude. Fuck this girl. But anyway, so it's like so blatantly obvious that she's just like an entitled asshole who mm-hmm. like goes to places causes her own situation i find it highly doubt doubtful that like the place did her nails and like it was the place's fault that her nail broke typically when yeah. nails break you're doing something that caused your nail to break yeah. so like and then just goes on yelp to try and get free shit because she feels entitled yeah and like that's who she is and like i'm not gonna put up with that and i'm not gonna let my staff put up with it that's like, the biggest thing it's you can't because it's like Especially now, you can't get good staff unless you're good to them, which, like, you should be anyway. Mm -hmm. But now, especially, like, you got to look at everything and go, like, I value my staff over this $30 or whatever. And Cheesecake Factory, like, yeah, man, like, it would suck to be there and, like, lose, like, three tables that you spent your whole night serving. Yeah. Because, like... I mean, it's it's hard hard to say that... I mean, when you're looking at a company that's the biggest sit-down restaurant chain in the world, it's hard to say that they haven't figured out the answers to some things. But I, you know, I live across the street, basically. I live, like, up the road from the one in Towson. Yeah. And I can visibly see just kind of, like, how it's gone downhill since even when I worked there eight years right. ago. And you can't, like, when you when you don't stand up for your... If when you don't stand up for your brand, your staff sees that it undermines your staff. And any like I was saying before, any staff member who who is worth their weight doesn't want to work for a place where they don't even feel like they're backed up by their own boss. So then the only servers you can get are the shitty ones or the ones that have no right. other option. And then the people that do come in there wanting to have a good experience have a worse experience because you can't even bring the best staff to the table to to right. serve them properly. So it's like this big chain cycle of things, all based off the fact that like. You're not willing to stand up for yourself when somebody attacks you. Right. You and know? then and the other side of it is from the from the restaurant owner perspective, something, you know, some systems we've refined in the last couple of months and some things we've done. Like we're when I look at a system, 
and I go, well, why is this failing? If we're getting complaints about something or what's going on, I start looking at what I can do to make mm -hmm. it easier for staff. Like we have, everything's through text, right? We're getting ready to open three restaurants. So right now it's me and like my GM and another manager who like sit and watch these texts from the two restaurants. At the point we open a third one, we're trying to hire like a, a central command who's just dealing with the text. When something becomes a problem, I don't want my front of house and my expediter like an HR getting stuck on this text dealing with the customer's problem. So like it escalates and then it's off her plate and she's just dealing with the restaurant to deal with the other customers. So it's like looking at systems like that, we're killing like our five star reviews and four star reviews the last 60 days have been it's just keep they just keep coming and I'm like it's a testament to like not just us supporting our staff but because we're supporting our staff our staff is fucking killing it. Yeah. And they're just doing a great job and everyone's coming in and they're happy and they're having a good experience. Whereas like when it's bad systems and it's not supported, you're like just taking whoever, like you have bad, bad apples mixed in like, like cheesecake factory. It sounds like you don't have those systems to filter out employees. You're just going to have shitty experiences and then you're going to lose your good customers. Yeah. The people who want to come in and spend money and be easy and like be like, so it's all it's just, it, it's just perpetual. It, it just drives it down like you fall apart. So are you at this point? You're you're about to open your third location, mm -hmm. and are you still hands on, very hands on in the store? Because not the, we we have a lot of meetings right now. It's like I'm back and forth between Steez, um, being a dad half the time, uh, kind of figuring out where we're going from here, hiring more staff. I have like just hiring at both companies. Mm -hmm. And just trying to build out that inner for underground pizza, build out that inner circle. I'm there making decisions. I'm in the store probably two to three times a week, like hanging out, like talking to customers, talking to employees, customers as well. And like figuring out, like, like coming up with ideas. I, I went to the pizza convention. We got to talk about the pizza convention. Oh yeah, please. It's yeah, called the course. pizza expo. It's in Vegas every year. It's the international pizza expo. Yes. White Rabbit Gastropub, awesome local place out in Frederick. They won. Um, really? They won the Pan Division for pizza, um, best pizza in the world. It's awesome. In the I, didn't, world? I didn't compete. They, they competed this year. I'm about to um, go there. They've got a bunch of entries. Like you have to enter in advance. You go there and you bake off the pizza and then you get judged. They won, which is awesome for Maryland. Like for Maryland yeah. to have like an international pizza expo winner is Until you awesome. fucking stab them to death. I'm like, no, I like, like <laughs> those, guys, those guys do a great job there. Their Detroit style and their pan pizza is a bit different than ours. They use some different things, but like they're great guys and they have a great business. And they have rad pies as well in uh, Williamsport, PA. But um, any other Maryland places compete? Uh, I didn't see any. There was only, I, I don't know how many, it's like f maybe 50 or 40 like entries for the pan division. Like there's different ones for different divisions, but like this pizza expo, I can't, I keep just trying to tell people who aren't in the industry about this because I'm, blown away that this is not like a tourist thing really so, it's, so it's all pizza it's all guys. like it's literally an like a trade floor like a trade show like and they, they everyone said this year was small it was like 700 vendors and it's all just people being like here try this for free eat this pizza or eat this like and it's like oven companies and dough makers and toppings and at yeast and salt and and they're all just like, hey, I made this pizza in this oven. Try it. Hey, I made this meatball sub with these meatballs. Try it. Like, hey, and it's literally just, you're just eating. And then Stanislaus, who's our tomato company, had like wine. 
and ice cream and the 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 oil co- like the um Corto oil company who we use was with the stand it's all the same company Stanislaus they had ice cream and like all this food and it's just you're just walking around trade trade floor eating vegan and you're saying this is not something that I don't People. think tourists know about it. It's like that's where you got to get Steez involved. Bro. I know we need to promote <laughs> that shit. It's got to blow up. I want to blow this thing up, and I just want to see a bunch of friends there. I was like telling, awesome. telling like DJs who like have Vegas residencies. They're like, "What? There's a pizza expo in Vegas? Like, <laughs> dude? Oh shit! Like, I'm gonna have to go next year. Like, they're like comp twirl. So funny. Yeah, can shit. there be like a Comic Con for it's food? It's literally like, like Comic Con yeah. for food. That and sounds then, great. They ju- there just was one for. Uh, PFG, who's our supplier, they um they did like a little food expo at Maryland Live in the expo hall. Cool, and that was awesome too, man. Like it was like all the all the brands they use, and it was all for all restaurant owners. I just went there one afternoon, and just ate, like walked around, tried different things, and I was like, some of the stuff I'm like, I would never serve this to my restaurant, <laughs> but I want a case for my freezer. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, I I hope yeah, those you things, those things are all like those are those things are awesome. Like I'd never been to a food convention before. Not all I want to do is go to food conventions. A lot of times, all it takes is just like because it is weird. Like you'll see certain things and you like wonder why it's not a bigger thing. Like Wait. I mean, we like we talked about before. Catmandu. I don't understand why Catmandu Kitchen is not freaking awesome. I don't uh, like blowing, blowing up. up. I don't yeah. understand why Towson Best it doesn't have like a poppin' bar. First of all, that'd be cool because there's not very many. Like I feel like if it's the it's the aesthetic in there. Well, yeah. they didn't uh, no. We we love Towson Best, but they I love it. But they, if you they, walk in, it's just like they didn't really try too hard with the aesthetic. I mean, this looks like a classroom. It does, and yeah. they they actually they misspelled their own store name on their wall, <laughs> which I still like. I get it. Wait, really? Yeah, That's like they wrote they wrote. Awesome. If you look at the inside wall of the store, they have a painting that says Townsend Best. <laughs> Yes. And like I get it, like someone did that. that. English yeah, is not their first language, but right. I do. I I maintain this that if I opened up a, like a cheeseburger store in China, and somebody was like, "Dude, this is the name of your store, by the way," and I'm like, "Okay, so then it goes like this, <laughs> yeah." And then you do this little thing, and right. there it is, you know. And but it, like, like I don't know how they you said. He says donkey's ass on your wall. <laughs> yeah. I just don't understand how you mess that up. And I like, but I, I was literally talking to him about this the other day. I was like, dude, you know, it'd be cool if you guys kind of got like, you got the whole liquor license. I'm like drinking a beer at the bar next to like yeah. a box of like styrofoam containers. <laughs> like, why are you, what are you That's doing? what I'm saying. Like their whole dining area is like, it's just boxes. It's just yeah, storage. It's storage yeah. eating. We should do a thing where we just go there once a month to hang out. We should. Beers late night. Like once I have the restaurant up here, like be like. Yo, we're just gonna go hang out. At house yeah, dude, have some, some, have a happy cocktails. hour. They did. I, I like how we're just reverting back to all the same ideas we had when we were like sixteen. Like, yo, we should <laughs> yeah. just hang out at Towson Fest. <laughs> Towson Fest, then hit Towson Fest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, Towson Fest is this, what is it? Spring Fest? Uh, Towson Town Festival. We should do a meetup. An LFG underground pizza meetup at Ooh. fucking Towson's Festival. <laughs> <laughs> Oh That'd be God. awesome, dude. That would be great. Are you gonna I'm have? Down. Are you gonna try to get a stand at the festival? I'm just gonna. I'm just. We might take some pizzas up there and just hand out some pies. And be there like, you hey, go. We're open down the street. There you oh, go. Yeah. yeah. Sell some just bootleg. Sell some bootleg slices. Yes. Just like the old good old, days. Lucy, good old days. Lucy slices. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That'd be great. 
carrying a slice behind you. Just your like ear. fucking totally gets shut down by the health department just for on a bootleg stand. The hell like can that will be like cooking with like cooking it in the fucking unlicensed restaurant. <laughs> is this this, <laughs> this is this, great. this will be ghost the, kitchen, okay? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be the second year that they've done it since COVID, right? Towson Town Fest? I don't know if they did Fall Fest. I don't know if they did Spring Fest last year. Fall Fest just isn't quite the same, though. Fall Fest kind of sucked last year. I didn't know about it. I live in Towson. And I go to the farmer's market every week, and I still... They they did nothing to promote it. People people that... like A lot of times, creatives suck at uh, promotions, and even more so, non-creatives... Who right. are usually the chamber of commerce who are creating these things? Yeah, don't I'm gonna even hit know them what up that means. This year. I'm going to be like, "Hey, I got forty five thousand Instagram followers. So yeah, I, I'll promote it. Yeah, I want some tax. Like, how do you yeah. how do you uh, like uh, uh, negotiate might, with the city? Get a liquor license out of that. Yeah, let me get a liquor. Yeah, let me get a liquor yeah, license. Let me get a. Hey, for a liquor license, I'll give you a three year promotion deal. <laughs> there you go, dude. <laughs> dude, it's so funny. It's actually funny you say that because uh. I'm totally applying all of this ridiculous like promoter shit to the business dealings of underground pizza. Like I went to um I went to one of the delivery platforms and I was like, I want a signing bonus to to be exclusive on your platform. Yeah. And I it. was like, and the girl, the sales rep, was like, I'm not gonna say who because I don't want anyone else to figure this out and they're no one we're doing 350 to 400 deliveries a week out of out of Baltimore. Uh-huh. So like they looked at it and they were like, "Okay, when we were talking about Silver Spring in Towson, I was like, I want a signing bonus to just be exclusive." And the girl at first was like, "What, what do you mean?" And yeah. I'm like, "No, no, I want you to cut me a check and you'll make the money back in a few months. I'll be exclusive with you guys, but like we're only going to be on your platform. You're going to pay me up front." To only be on your platform. And it took like a month of trying to explain it. I was like, she was like, no. And I was like, no, listen, here's my numbers. Do you know Joe Rogan? I'm like, yeah, right? (laughs) This is also for one year. (laughs) I said, for a one-year deal, I was like, take it to your boss. Here's our numbers. You will make it back in three months. And finally, she was like, oh, my boss said yes. Yeah. And I was like, and then I crunched the numbers. The numbers spiked up. Like, right, it was like, I started talking before Super Bowl. Since Super Bowl, you'd think Super Bowl would be our biggest week of the mm-hmm. first quarter. Super Bowl was good. The week after was okay. Every week after that for, like, eight weeks was bigger than the Super Bowl week. It was, we were like, what the fuck's going on? Like, we didn't even know what was going on. We're like, can't explain it. We're just selling a shit ton of pizza. Yeah. Right? But, like, I started to look at the numbers, and I was like, fuck, I shorted myself on this. And I just went back to her and said, you know what? We're going to do it for a year. And then we're going to come back to you with a bigger ask next year. How about that? Boom. And then and I said, and we're going to take it to the other platforms too and, and see if they'll give us the signing bonus. But like, that's something you do with ticketing companies as a promoter. And like, it's unheard of. And the girls just, they just don't get it. The girl was like, what? No. And I was like, no, no, no. Take it to your boss. And like, yeah, no one's asked later, before. Yeah. A few weeks later, she's like, all right, we'll do it. And I was like, and it was like five digits. It wasn't like a small signing bonus. And also, <laughs> also it's like, it's good because... I always look at it this way too. Um, you now taught that person a thing too, right? And so, now they'll consider it later down the road, and they'll start using it as a tactic. And the reality is, no matter what, at some point it's quant based. It's it's based on numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And I already know I'm doing the numbers, so it's like I'll get it if they're doing the payday eventually. Normally, I'll get the highest mm-hmm. that I can get. There's 
I don't think there's anyone doing more delivery gross wise than us in Baltimore City. Like 350 orders a week. We've had, I think the highest we had was 410 or something like that. 408 deliveries. Yeah, and at your price point for sure. It and it's not like we're, it was funny. I was talking to a pizza guy, like this guy who owns a few pizza places at um, pizza conference. And I was like, well, we're doing this, you know, we're doing, I think that week it was like 1300 tickets or something or like 1100 tickets. That's so cool. You're ringing this much. I go, no, we're ringing twice that. And he like didn't realize that our price point was so high uh-huh. that like the same amount he's doing eighteen hundred tickets a week. I'm doing eleven hundred. I'm doing more tickets than him. His mm-hmm. eyes were like, wait, what? Well, like- <laughs> it's it's good that you come into the business with that. You know, like we talked about last time with that kind of like promoter mentality. Because yeah. like I was saying, it's like so many people like all these things require different talents. Like to have a great business that makes great food does not necessarily mean that you know how to get your name out there. Right. You know, and very few people have all those talents. You see a lot of like musicians, comedians, anything like that. that just don't know how to be like, right. To sell themselves, you know, yeah. like you don't have any leverage to walk into a bar and be like, dude, like a lot of people, that's why a lot of artists wind up getting ripped off and things like that. Cause right. they don't even know what they're worth. Right. They have no idea. And they don't know. Like it's like, yo, you have this talent and somebody who has, you know, if you don't have the marketing or you don't understand it or have people in your inner circle that you trust, you end up in this kind of like vulnerable position where you need it. Yeah. But like you, um, you get taken advantage of a lot of times yeah. or you just don't go anywhere. You're just unhurt. Like, yeah, you never get there. Like I was talking to him, um, a friend of mine called me today and was like, Hey, I want some help with this artist. He's like, she's really talented. She works as a, um, she she's an exotic dancer and like she goes to Vegas and like New Orleans mm-hmm. to dance. She makes a thousand bucks a night going to dance. I looked at her page. She's hot. Nice. And like verified hot. But apparently hot. like, and this guy's been in the music scene for a really long time. He was in a really successful band for a while. That's broken up since. It's like, dude, I've been in the scene for a long time. This L- chick is he hot. moved to LA. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, but, but like she's super talented and like she's tried, she's very attractive and like she's tried to, get put on and like everyone who's put, she's gotten me too or not. She has gotten me too but like the producers and the other promoters and the managers who have tried to work with her mm-hmm. have like tried to hook up with her cause she's a stripper and she's, she's good looking mm-hmm. and like talented. But the other side of it is she doesn't fucking need it. Cause she can go out and work in Vegas for a week and make seven grand. Yeah. And then she doesn't have to just be a struggling artist. So she's also stepped back and been like, I need to find the right team. And she found him and he he's married two kids and like, they're really close. Like they've become like more of a family unit. And she's now he's helping her build this team that she can trust. Which, But if you're in that same position and you don't have a revenue stream, you don't have income and you're just a struggling artist. Yeah, or God you're, forbid you're not hot. Well, that, I mean, I mean geez, that's got, that's actually probably better. Cause at least guys aren't trying to like hit on you for things and they're just looking at your talent and not just trying to yeah that is definitely when you talk about male privilege uh in the music industry i know that most if a straight guy says that he wants to work with me that is it means something like hey you really do think i'm talented you know granted i'm sure if i was a hot chick i would have had way more offers at this point right but like how many of them been real you know right Mm -hmm. and it's just like it is a male driven industry and it is you know it's a situation where like there's there's definitely um uh, what's the word for it? Like power dynamics at play where mm-hmm. you see, you know, these like 
And it goes both ways. There's definitely power females as well who have like been in that position, but it's definitely a male driven industry where like that power dynamic is taken advantage of all the time with women. Oh yeah. And like it's, it's guys just trying to get laid as opposed to trying to actually do the work. And like, if you're not attractive, like, or not a hot girl, like, and someone's coming to you and trying to work with you, that's, it's probably genuine. Yeah. And it's also a lot of people who like have connections will try and use a, just, they can't use the connections. They just try and use the leverage of it. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, and it's definitely, it's just great. It's, there's so much has happened. Yeah. COVID has like exposed a lot of shit and there's mm -hmm. definitely been a lot of bubbles popped with. Oh yeah. That whole, like the whole power dynamic side. Yeah. It's very interesting. I will say like we, we first hit me up, we were talking about the, uh, you know, it, it's weird, especially now. And I think that, uh, looking back on everything COVID wise, like it's weird now. Cause it does feel like we're in a very different place. Yeah. Like just tangibly, it just feels like it's sped. It feels like it sped everything up. Mm -hmm. Like every, I mean, and it cross industries and th like, think about, how we're selling food now, like food sales have changed, how restaurants sell, like power dynamics in like all of the Harvey Weinstein's, the base nectars, the, the, all of the scandals tied to like, was base nectar. What happened with him? Was he a bad dude? Uh, yeah, he was, he was basically caught speaking of power dynamics. He was, a girl came out. There's like a whole thing. It's like exposing base nectar on Instagram or whatever. But he was basically caught like he would DM girls and befriend them at the ages of like anywhere from 14 to 17. Ooh, and like grooming. there was some questions grooming. about he was grooming girls, Oof. basically. And then when they would turn 18, he would try and hook up with them and hmm. like or he would hook up with them and like girls. He would make girls feel special and then he would fly them to shows and then he would make them just they would they were. You know, the whole, the stories that I've read and like, I've spoken to, you know, people who have been through this with him mm -hmm. and like, oddly enough, um, I was talking to my girlfriend about it and she was like, yeah, he DM me when I was underage. Really? And I was like, that's interesting. Jesus, that's, dude. He was casting a wide net. Like, Jeez. Yeah, the guy's like, I don't, I don't know. Like. It's just a crazy. It's a you reading, get the work ethic. I reading guess. the stories, like <laughs> I like look like. To, we worked with him for a while. We had a real falling out because of his entitlement and his feeling of like larger than like he basically and I'll, I'll just put it out there. I don't fucking care anymore. Yeah, I never want to work with the guy again, so it doesn't fucking matter. He literally like he played Moonrise a couple times and then he started treating Moonrise like it was his. Mm. And his like agent at the time like was he like he made it. Or his something. agent like well, how how long had he been doing Moonrise at that point? He played like I think it was like his fourth year was the last year, but it was it wasn't really making money at that point. Like it was like we were just getting into like the event was doing well and like starting to like turn a profit like on a macro. But he just like treated us like he owned us. And I was like, we have to go in a different direction strictly like because this is our event. And like that was my kind of yeah. put my foot down moment was like, let's not do this again because this guy is like out of his fucking mind. He used to be like, say shit. I, I love that I'm like getting to say this now because I'm mm -hmm. like, I, I literally could care. I, I haven't cared for the guy in a very long time. It's what seven, 2016, I think was the last year he played. Mm hmm. 
And so like, it's been what, six years since I was like, fuck bass nectar. Um, and so with, with him, it's like, he would be like, shut. I want the event every year. I want all the stages to shut down. So the whole crowd is at my stage. And I'd ha- every year I'd have to go. Much of like course the, not. Mike, like, much like the Travis Scott thing, the only thing I could say any reason, but like the only thing that would get through is it's a safety issue. I can't shut down all the stages. It's, COVID. it's a safety issue. It's, it's it would it's cause a, a crush supply chain event. issue. It would actually. cause a crush. Yeah, I would be like, it's a supply chain issue. But I'd have to explain that, and that's how they would back down. But like, my God, I'm like, this isn't your fucking event. Like, there's four stages going. Like, you're playing one of them. Fuck yeah, off. Yeah. And like it was such like, yeah, it was just, and I've had this with other acts before, but never like, like this guy, like, it's like, well, he feels like he's a partner in the event at this point. I was like, oh, well, he's not. Yeah. Like, cool. That's so strange. Even like going back to the whole like grooming thing. It's weird because we were talking about something before the podcast did. And obviously there's so many examples throughout Hollywood of that going on. And it's weird that that's like, it's weird because especially when you get to the level that he was at, it's like, dude, realistically speaking, uh, if you want to DM a uh, like a twenty year old girl or a twenty one year old girl, and use the fact that you're fucking base nectar, right, to fly this girl out and and bang her, right, that's like that's totally. I mean, at least in my book, it's like, yeah, dude. I mean, you're fucking base nectar. Like, right. you want to hook up with chicks, and it's like, do look, it. You but- have you have the star appeal, but there's a level of of like you need to like look, and I think COVID like. The conversations that happened during COVID, it wasn't necessarily COVID, but I think everything being shut down and being slower and like everyone mm-hmm. having to look at shit closer yeah. and like look at what they were doing and look at behaviors. I think we realized, let's look at what we're doing mm-hmm. and be like, is this a really good idea? Yeah. Like, let's take, let's take a step back and be like, do you really, like, do you realize that like you're, you're talking to these girls they're only interested in you for your career and your music. They don't you. If you were some guy off the street, they probably wouldn't be DMing you back. Hundred percent. And like, as a guy off the street, you're I can using confirm. that to get young and impressionable girls, and you're trying to convince them you actually care about them mm-hmm. and that you want to be with them. And then, and you're doing it for years and like years, yeah. like. Just make music, it's, dude. Right. Like, <laughs> just, how about don't and like I don't know what the I'm sure my my psychiatrist would have some ideas, but I have no idea what that that power. Like you're talking to a 15 year old and telling them do good in school and like convincing them school. to like hey like and then when they're 18 you're just waiting for that birthday. Hey, happy birthday! You should come to a show with me. Yeah. Like, or even sometimes before that. And it's You're saying like, your psychiatrist should be able to tell you what would make him want to do that. Perhaps. I just don't understand like the what make. I mean, I guess it's like some some. Is it a weird thing with music? I, I maybe or I don't know. Okay, it goes on. It's just I'm like sure a power it goes thing. on. I mean, it goes on too. We were just talking about Boy Scouts, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's definitely some power dynamic shit in the Boy Scouts. Like, there was like sexual. It's sexual abuse. Why right? is that so? Like, I don't like. I mean, Louis C.K. had a had a bit about it, which was. Obviously, like a crazy bit, but it was like kind of like I remember listening to him be like, "Damn, that's kind of like oh, interesting point." Because it's like, why is that so prevalent of like the younger kid thing? I don't get that. It's it's something. Typically, have you ever read t- anything from Tony Robbins or like looked uh, into Tony Robbins? I've looked into him. Yeah. He's always like, "Yo, it's either your mother or your father, right?" Mm. Like this thing that you have, like these 
actions, these behaviors, these things, like it's something tied to your relationship with your mother or your father that's driven you to have this because those are your most impressionable years, you know, those mm-hmm. first 10, 15 yeah. years. And you look at it and you go, oh, yeah, like I am this way because of this. And like I like, you know, like just that's typically what it's tied to. Or, you know, there's extreme cases of sexual abuse and like people go through things that are traumatizing and it drives them to do stuff like that. Um, I have a theory. Uh, if we're willing to entertain it. Um, Always. I think that uh, perhaps with certain, and I, I think this applies to musicians on a, or not just specifically musicians, but artists in general, because the, the, the coming of age as a, as an artist is usually like as you mature and become who you are. And it's then when you become cool. So like, I feel like a lot of people that are like super, like big musicians might not have necessarily, I mean, this doesn't apply to everyone, but I'd be willing to say that like a guy who like is famous for making like dubstep, maybe he wa- might not have been the coolest guy in high school, perhaps. I, th- I think it's mixed backgrounds. Uh-huh. I don't think, I think the, the base nectar story is an interesting one. Cause I think yeah, there's definitely, I've seen the, this, these actions with other artists before. Like there's artists where I wouldn't go backstage. Cause I'm like, and we had to like, fo- like, tours where we're like all right it's 21 plus backstage now because like we caught a 19 year old drinking Mm. and like these guys are going out like stuff like that where it's it's um we can tell it's a there's some kind of problem going on with the the abuse of the power dynamic and i didn't know it at the time i just remember one show at ram's head yeah we like shut it was like the night we decided ram's head is now 21 plus backstage at all times because yeah. something made me uncomfortable. Somebody somebody from my team reported something or whatever. And I said, it's typically some damage to like that person somewhere in those years prior that typically high school, grade school, yeah. family, just you weren't that cool. And now you're trying to make up for it. Like Exactly. Those I think things yeah. definitely happen. But it's just like, dude, like there's plenty of 21 year olds out there who will like come oh, back you. and party with you. Mm-hmm. Like. You don't, and like, there's been a decent amount of artists canceled in the in the EDM world for abusive behavior. Yeah, and, pop punk was another big genre for that. that. Was a huge, uh, dude, yeah. there was, that was there Fucking was a Warped guy, tour. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, all your music videos are about being in high school, like, and you're 28. So I mean, right? I don't know. It doesn't shock there me. Was, there was a guy. Yeah, we did a couple about jocks. You're <laughs> 30. We did a couple shows with like these guys that were from the pop punk scene, but got into the bass music scene early on and they had this huge network and like one of the guys had like after we did a couple shows someone's like why are you working with him and i'm like i don't know like he's in new england like guys promote and they're like dude like everyone hates that guy and like let me tell you the stories from warp tour and i was like never talking to this fucking guy again like Jesus. we're done and it was just like yeah like that's the, that was that scene before and it's like is it opportunist? They move like this guy probably moved from one scene to the other. Hey, where are the young chicks at? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's definitely uh, also how normalized it was. It's crazy to think. I remember I, I really picked up on this. Uh, I was watching an episode of Seinfeld. I've been watching Seinfeld recently. Dude, you know, you know, Steve Bannon makes money every time you watch Seinfeld. Right? Really? How? He's a, he's an owner. 
I don't I don't know the full story, but he owns like the publishing right. He's a part owner on the publishing rights to Seinfeld. Really? Um, yeah. So every time you watch Seinfeld on Netflix or whatever, Steve Bannon, Steve like, Bannon oh, gets his yeah, wings. Baby. Steve Bannon gets his wings. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's like making I like stopped watching Seinfeld because I found that out because fuck Steve. Well Bannon. that explains this episode. <laughs> so it's this one episode and it, it's a familiar episode. It's when they are trying to get the show. Like they're trying to like yeah, pitch, pitch the show to NBC. NBC. Yeah. yeah. And they go to the dude's house, like it like hot, like rooftop Manhattan type yeah. penthouse, whatever. Rooftop. So white trash. Penthouse. Um top and, floor. Top floor. <laughs> and they go up there and his daughter comes out, who they had already blatantly described as a 15-year-old girl. But then the whole bit of the scene is the fact that, in fact, it's the whole bit of the, the episode. It's the George Costanza one, right? Yeah, like, well, I mean, it, she comes out, and she's like just like standing there. And I know in real life she's not 15, which is why I'm perfectly happy to say very attractive, obviously very hot. Mm -hmm. um, but she's playing a 15-year-old, and this goes deeper, which is why I kind of have a problem with shows like Euphoria and stuff, because, I mean, I don't have a problem with it, but I always find it odd when you have extremely attractive like 24 year old sydney sweeney playing a 16 year old that's naked in front of you and getting fucked it's like this is fucking with people's minds because that's not a this isn't like how 16 year olds fuck i know this for a fact b this isn't exactly like what this isn't how it worked but you're you're basically like making a weird kind of like and i haven't seen the show i hear it's great but yeah. like i'm not like opposed to watching it. i just i just don't watch shows in general right. really but i just like, don't know why they're trying to make high school cool like they're trying to make it like hot like high school like is why it, am i a, here's a question though is it edgier is it's like high school edgier now like our kids like we we had some I mean, I went to a city school for two years, and then I went to, like, Lower Marion High School. Like, Kobe Bryant. Like, Lower Marion High School, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, the city kids... Have you ever seen the movie Kids? The Harmony Corinne flick? Mm -hmm. I have not. Yeah, no. dude. Like, that... Like, that's what my... Like, there was a whole crew. I went to a high school that had, like, 3,000 kids at it. There was a whole South Long crew that was, like... They used to haze kids, freshmen. Mm -hmm. and, like, and, like, I mean, really haze. They'd give like, them AIDS. Like, put kids in fucking trash cans and roll them down a hill into a wall. Mm -hmm. Like... Shit like that, like there was kids like like our high school was like kids, like that. Not all of them, but like it was very, but not. I feel like it, they were super edgy, right? But now I feel like all high school kids because they have the internet. I wonder Instagram, if it's like, more or less edgy because I, I feel like at, I look at you. I think it's like and I'm like, edgy. is that what high school's like now? I doubt it. I don't I think feel so. like it might be though. Like on some level, like. I feel like kids are just advancing, like not maturity, but like mature knowledge. They're getting access to mature knowledge. Yeah. Guns and drugs and sex and, and they're getting all of that quicker. Mm -hmm. I could see that, but also there is this type of culture nowadays. That's like very aware of that at the same time. Whereas back in the nineties, I guess what I was just to complete what I was saying before about that scene in Seinfeld where the girl bends over and they're just like looking at her, her what they call cleavage which is a very 90s way of saying whatever and like so they're like looking at it and then like the dad catches them looking right. and then they're like oh come on man like blah 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 you can't blame me for that like she's walking around blah 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 and then so at the end of the episode they get Elaine to wear like a super low cut dress who Elaine is just amazing um and then she basically 
proves a point by like leaning over in front of him and then like he gets distracted because he was like not going to give him the show because right. of that and then he wants to give him the show because he's like oh shit like i, I, I get, get what you're it. saying yeah. but the whole premise is like it was this young girl and it's like that kind of joke would never fly now where it's like culturally back then it's like even like the beat like you look at the songs like the 80s where like like the Beatles, she was just seventeen. If you know what I mean. And then there was like yeah, the other. Jerry one. Seinfeld was dating like a high schooler, probably during that time of. Probably Seinfeld. was he like known for it? Like yeah, he like dated literally a girl in high school, like, like eighteen or like. Like I guess so that she's in fucking high school. Like yeah, doesn't. Oh, she's a. What's your excuse? Oh, she's a senior. She's a senior. <laughs> like, cool. But like, it was such yeah. like a normal. There was other song. I forgot the one song is like blatant. I forgot what the band well, is, but they're like, look at all those. Look at all the little things though that have changed. Like, I was I was talking to someone about the bass nectar situation the other day, and they were like, well, he didn't do anything illegal. And I go, well, using the n word is not illegal. You can still have your life destroyed for that. Yeah. So like being a racist piece of shit's not illegal. Yeah. People but there's consequences. Tell you to go yeah. fuck yourself. Yeah. And like, yeah. you could have like your business life or your personal life ruined for that. And so, like, all that shit, like, come on. Like, we've all heard growing up, we all heard some family member who like made some racist ass comment that you're like, like, I have family members who I don't even associate with anymore because I think about things they said when I was like 12, 13, 14. I'm like, they're just racist pieces of shit. And I tell my parents that. I'm like, fuck them. Yeah. I don't talk to that side of the family. And I got into it. One of them's a fucking Trumper, and I got into it with him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, bro. Like, he he blocked me on Facebook, or he deleted <laughs> his Facebook or something. And, like, I'm just like, yo, they're fucking racist. Like, and you can't be like that anymore. And the shit that I used to see 25 years ago, like, fat, close people say. Like, people I don't know. Like, it's, like, people I grew up with or people, like, around in the neighborhood, like, or in the environment, or like even family, like would say shit, and like the shit they would say if they said it now would be like, and I think that's a good thing. Like as a society, we've gotten I think better. That, I think there's two sides of that coin, and and I think the the uh, the I guess what I would say is that when I look at like a guy who's in his sixties, and like I do factor in the fact that just like we're talking about, like certain things like could be put on TV, like at the end of the fucking episode. Jerry Seinfeld has a whole fucking bit about like killing yourself and like people that fail at killing themselves. Like, damn, you couldn't even do that right. And like, that's kind of like a, but like back then, that was just like on network television. Like, you would just say something like that and people probably didn't even bat an right. eye at it. And so, like, I, when I talk to like a 60 year old person or it's like, and they might say something that I would deem unacceptable now, it's like, I don't think that makes them a bad person because I also fully accept that in 50 years when I'm 80 or whatever, like, right there's probably going to be shit going on that I'm not going to be down with because even though I might think I'm like with the shits now, it's like at a certain point you get set in your ways, you get used to the, the way you come up. I don't think that like, like if you look at like the no, way I, Abraham Lincoln I, would I talk about black people, it's like, was he a bad a guy? I think there's a curve for like once you get, oh, they came from a different, you say things like they came from a different era, but you can still correct them. But I think people I'm referring to are a little bit younger. Yeah. And uh, I think it, it, when you look at, here's an interesting one. Like, do you ever go back and have you ever watched like the old Woody Woodpecker cartoons? Oh uh, like yeah, the old yeah, one yeah. where they yeah. like have heroin and like laudanum and like there's just shit that like they would put in entertainment. Now, cartoons used to be adult entertainment back then. Yeah, that was not like there wasn't Saturday morning cartoons. Now Woody Woodpecker eventually became a kids cartoon, but like it's the same way. It's like yo, there's shit that like used to be okay on TV or like you could joke about or like. 
like the Seinfeld thing, but like it's not really funny because when you start to peel things back and you look at scandals like Boy Scouts or church and like now you're talking about like actual like people are taking advantage of kids under 18, like the base nectar thing. And like when you really look at it, like you do need to take a step back and and say like, hey, it's not it doesn't go on anymore because that was a joke. And like maybe the Seinfeld thing was a joke, but like. It's really happening at a level where we're not correct enough as a society that we should be joking about that. Yeah, I, I think can it's, see that. It's definitely like, I I think that's that's for a lot of things. I think we need to look at, and I th- I think COVID and like what's gone on since since COVID started and a lot of things have like been brought to the surface. And it's like if you're uncomfortable by what's happening, like maybe you have to look inside. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like. You know, you see what's going on in Florida right now. Like, yeah. if gay people make you uncomfortable, like, I've never seen, I've never known any gay person to, like, turn someone gay. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I know a lot of gay people. Like, it's not contagious. It's not a transmissible thing. Mm-hmm. It's, you're either gay or you're not. Yeah, it's not or like sinking like, up a period. Like, or... kind of know, <laughs> I understand, like, actually, I don't. I don't know much about the youth thing and, like, the... I don't know a lot about that, so I don't talk on it. But like when I see politicians so filled with like energy to stop things mm-hmm. related to, I'm like, look, maybe some of the laws, like we're, we're never getting the laws right on the first time. Ever. Yeah. There's yeah. ever a fucking government body passing a law. Like they nailed it on the first time. There's revisions, there's changes. Like, but like to come out and try and ban laws, like, Laws that are supposed to be more accepting instead of looking at it and going, well, what is this? What is like, you see like the bathroom laws in North Carolina and shit. Yeah. Which I didn't know wasn't, to be honest, I didn't know it wasn't a law already because I had always assumed up until that law reached mainstream media, I had always assumed that if I were to just walk into a woman's bathroom that someone could call the cops and be like, dude, this dude is just like, I really thought that. Like if I'm just at a restaurant and I just like walked into the woman's bathroom was just like taking a, I thought somebody could reasonably call the cop. I really thought that. Right. And it's like, I didn't know it wasn't like a law. I thought it was like a, like, a custom. Here's the reality. You don't, I, I, I don't know. Like I thought about, I, I thought about the bathroom laws a while ago. It's like, they're not catching like, like the laws where they're using unisex. Ba- I don't, I don't, I'm trying to remember exactly the law, but like, it was like, they weren't ca- like, no, transgender people aren't going in trying to like assault your children in the, yeah. they're trying to use the bathroom. They're most comfortable. Mm-hmm. Whoever's that's what those laws are built to do. Allow people to use the bathroom. They're most comfortable in bathrooms are private, especially women's rooms. So yeah. like, so like you're not, I mean, urinals are a bit different, but like if you're in a women's room, you're probably in a stall and like, it's more likely you're going to see some like fucked up pedophile in there trying to assault your child than a fucking transgender person who's just trying to use the bathroom they're yeah, most yeah, comfortable yeah. in. Yeah. But nor like like and I, I hate to harp on the Republicans because there's plenty wrong with the Democrats too. Don't think I'm like some like bleeding heart liberal that's like, oh my God, Democrats are always right. Like mm-hmm. I have plenty of problems with both sides of it, but like the energy put into some of these fucking law like this whole Florida thing. And you know this whole Disney World thing. DeSantis is doing this just to fucking get political clout. The law doesn't go into effect until June 2023. And I'll bet you, I'll bet anyone who wants to bet me, first person, not every person, $1,000 <laughs> $1, 
that it never goes into effect, and Disney World is never affected by this law that was signed into. I could I could see that being true. It's just not, and like the reality is, the other side of it is, it's going to cost taxpayers in Orlando like twenty five hundred dollars a household. Yeah, Oof. and like. I'm sure they're not going to be fucking happy about that. Yeah, I'm not super like, familiar with the with the with the uh, because I know what you're I, I know what you're referring so basically to. Basically, like the, the law. So it's like the don't say gay thing. I know that like, one. He he to be vindictive. He, Disney World got some kind of special classification to basically be their own government and their own the 84 million acres or whatever they have. They have something in the 1960s where they dictate their own thing. Like they're not. They're not so like part the of the local... tax base in Orlando. They're their own yeah. thing. Yeah. The 51st state. But like they also pay for all their own water. <laughs> they got to be for DC. Like, like there's all this shit that like they're responsible for their sewage and their plumbing and their this and their that. All the stuff that a government body would be responsible for. Uh-huh. So like he took that special privilege away with this law. It doesn't go into effect for 14 months. And he's like because of like they're out, they're out, they're speaking out against and fighting the don't say gay law. Mm-hmm. But it's like what is it not going to be that like, okay, the don't say it. We can't talk about things that make us uncomfortable. Yeah. If you're, it's like, no, we need to fucking talk about the things that make everyone uncomfortable. And like, we need to stop fucking baiting with like things like convincing people that like, Oh, this is like shit is so bad. Like critical race theory. So it's so bad to know. There was a funny ass tweet that was, uh, somebody like Tom Cotton, like one of those asshole Republican senators was like, See, so so many years ago, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. Uh-huh. Blah, blah blah. It was such a tremendous day, and blah, blah. And somebody tweeted back, like, "Yeah, it would be great if people could learn about why." Yeah, because like yeah. all they're doing is trying to like. It's like, look, let's just fucking talk about it. It's like, weird when you have, and, and this is this is what I find interesting because you know you there's so many examples again, like you said, on both sides of where. You have basically in this country, you have the two party. Well, it's not supposed to be a two party system. It just has devolved into a two party system where you have basically two in their essence. And this, I think, is a is a weird concept for a lot of people to grasp, but that neither the Democrats nor the Republicans are the government. They're private companies, just like AT&T and Verizon. They are not phone service. They're a company that wants to be your phone service. So you have these private companies that are against each other. It's kind of like you. I almost look at it like it's like the difference between um, like a, a married couple raising a child or a divorced couple raising a child, where it's like there's this certain amount of like animosity between the two parents that then affects the child because it. it, it that's a, you know what I'm that's saying. A great analogy because it's like none of your service. Like it's really hard at a at a national level and like even a level of state level. And I thought, you know, Harry, Larry Hogan has his faults, but like as a Republican, I thought he did a really good job just as a politician. He did a really good job with COVID too. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he got definitely better crit- than most States, definitely better than most States. And he was somewhere in the middle between like all out, like alarmist behavior and like too loose behavior. And he was like very by the numbers and watching what's going on. And like, it's rare you see that in this day and age. Everything's political theater. Everything. And maybe it has to do with the fact that he wasn't trying to get reelected. He's done after this term. And it didn't matter. He was just trying to save lives and like keep people. Well, he definitely he definitely has aspirations, I think, beyond the governorship. Yeah. And I think that he definitely earned a lot of points on but with the Democrats and the Republicans if he does decide to to go take it to the next level, you know. I will say that 
you look at you look at the way I it's almost like negotiation in a way. So you like you see one party do something that's like extreme, right. and then the other party feels like they have to do something extreme right. against it. And then I guess the theory is that like okay, we're gonna propose this bill that's like way too far this way, right. and then we're gonna propose this bill that's way too, far, and then we meet in the middle somewhere. But what that does in the process of this two oppositional parties basically in some weird form of negotiation try is that it divides everyone most people aren't a hundred percent on board with everything democrats say or the republicans but then when you pitch it like that it's like and again covid was a great example of that because you have like one side that's just completely like dude fucking don't stop anything don't do anything we can't it's fucking fake (laughs) and then you have the other side that's like no maybe we should not do anything shut everything ever it's like and it's like most people aren't either one of those things most and you see that when you saw people in their personal lives that everybody kind of fell into like their own idea of what was appropriate for how to handle it but then at the same time a lot of those people would be vocal at like on the internet or something like that as if they believed one way or the other and it's like but dude like you still do this like you're like you might be like a really staunch republican but like you still when you visited your grandma at the hospital you like made sure to like take certain precautions because right. you were aware or on the other hand it's like well you're like super vocal about being think but that you still hung out with your friends without masks and like but then you'll yell about people not it's like I'll, you want to hear the pettiest thing i did during covid <laughs> I would like find, I don't know how, but I started getting like ads for the Virginian pilot, I guess, because I commented on some articles. We do some business in Virginia. There you go. And so I don't Virginia. know. I found some really like, bot, like real troglodyte bottom dwellers on there. And I would just troll them. The, the ones who were like, COVID's fake, blah, blah, blah. And I would just troll the shit out of them. And this one guy who fucking ran for governor, the guy was like, COVID's fake, blah, blah, blah. His bro, COVID's fake, COVID's fake, whatever. And I would save the fucking statuses. Where I'd troll them so I could go back to them and be like, well, how'd that play out? Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. Really petty shit, but I was bored during COVID. Um, and it's fun to be, it's no, fun no, to so be like it, that. It gets good. So the guys, and this is fucked up to, for me to say, but like <laughs> the guy who ran for governor, I guess his brother got fucking COVID and like either died or almost died. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that fucking played out, didn't it, buddy? <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is fucking just sweet, sweet fucking... What's the word for it? Karma. That's sweet karma. Karma. Like, of like yeah. this guy just being like, lockdowns. And that's this brings us to the point of why I wanted to come onto the podcast, which yes. was, which Please. was. Please. And this is what I literally texted Jimmy the other day and was like, I want to come back on the podcast because I remember I was like going off about Americans are so soft. Like anyone who called what went on communism and fucking, oh my God, lockdown. We never had a fucking, you want to see a lockdown? Go look at China. Go look at what the fuck's going on in China right now. And play. I think it's in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Like, they're literally locking people in. Bill. I watched a video of a guy being told he couldn't get out of his truck until he was COVID negative. And he said, what do I do if I have to go to the bathroom? They said, turn around and stick your ass out the window. Yeah. That's what they told the guy to do. What do I do for food? We'll bring you food. We'll bring you X, you know, X meals a day or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like... Americans, if we bitched about not being like, I get it. Like, no business was more affected than the entertainment business and the live music business. Like, I get it. Business was affected. Restaurants suffered. Like, my entire business was shut down for it was March 11th until May until Memorial Day weekend was our first show back. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I get it. Like, but we never suffered like. 
a real lockdown. Like a don't leave your fucking house or we'll shoot you. Lockdown. I saw a video yeah. uh, the other day of all everybody. I guess I forgot what city it was. Maybe Shanghai. Yeah. Um, where they were all locked in their buildings, but they were all They're like banging. screaming and yeah, stuff, and banging on the door. And then yeah. a drone was. They were flying a drone around with loudspeakers across the city, and in the tra- the English translation was, "Control your soul's desire for freedom," and it was like it's such a morbid kind of dark message that you're getting from the government. But I I would like to raise because I'm glad you brought this up. I would like to raise an alternative angle on the whole fact that China went underwent what they're going through and still going through right now, is that I would almost be willing to say that part of the reason why we're not like why you look at certain countries like that, which are completely totalitarian and are right. able to tell everybody, is maybe a testament to the fact that we're not soft. Right. Like I don't think I don't think that you could have gotten Americans to that point because we live in a country where we're allowed to express the fact that we fuck you. You you say that in China, you disappear. A hundred percent because there's due process and there's court systems and there's and there's and that was all fought yes, for and died for. It's just you know? 100%. And that's like what I said like in a lot of this shit. I was like, look, it'll be tested. It'll be it'll be put through. Even the mask mandates on planes. Like, look, I was Mr. Like, everyone fucking mask up. Mm-hmm. And like my last flights, I think I flew to, I flew to Vegas for P-Tex. But I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, can I just take this fucking mask off yeah. for this flight? And like it got tested and it got shot down. Like... It's no longer like Omicron's not fucking Delta, right? Like mm-hmm. I had Delta. I got I got Delta in August. I've never felt like I was like a few steps away from going to the hospital and I self-medicated. No, I did not take horse dewormer. I read a couple yeah. studies on gargled bleach. On some yeah, <laughs> NAD plus boosters that they were using, and I took a clinical dosage of I don't recommend this at home. I'm not a doctor. Uh, I was, I missed my call. So this was crazy. This is actually a fucking crazy story. So I have like congestion or something and like a headache. So I go and get tested, test positive. I go home. My son's got a runny nose and congestion. And I'm like, he's got COVID and I'm around him. I had been around him the day before I hung out with him for a day. And then I called a doctor that I know at Hopkins who does, um, worked with Moonrise. And I said, I knew he works in the ER. And I was like, what? do I need to be worried if like my, I have it my son and she, he goes, look, like if you have it and yours is worse and his isn't like, he said, just generally like, don't be around him. Cause you can give him more of a viral load. So we separated. And then I, I made my, um, his mother take him to get tested and he tested negative. Mm-hmm. He had been around me. Unva- and I was vaccinated at the time, unvaccinated, but he had had, he was still nursing. So he had some immunity from that. Um, he never got it. It was like crazy. So then like, yeah, I missed my call for the, uh, I called my doctor. I got on the list to get called for the um, monoclonal antibodies and I hadn't slept. I couldn't sit still. Like when I tell you like sitting on the couch like this, I was in pain from the top of my head, to the bottom of my toes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Full and body. I wasn't ache. sleeping well. And I fell asleep in the afternoon on the Friday and like missed the call for monoclonal antibodies to get on the schedule for Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I got to wait till Monday and then I might get in Tuesday. I was like, I'm going to have to go to the hot. I was in pain, like mm-hmm. not level 10 pain, but like consistent level six. Yeah, it doesn't turn pain. off. And it was like everywhere. It felt like something turned all of my, you know, when you get like cramps from um, potassium, you know, my whole body, it felt like there was no potassium in my body. It was like just pain. 
So I was reading these studies on NAD plus boosters and I was like fucking ordered them off Amazon and I took the clinical dosage. Uh-huh. I shit you not. I took them Saturday morning, took 900 milligrams. I took 900 milligrams Sunday. I was back at my desk working on Monday. Jesus. From like being bedridden on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was crazy. So I lucked out, but like, uh, no, yeah, I, like, I see that. Like, I think that I guess going back to just the whole way things have been kind of shaping out the past two years, I see the fact that like we were saying before, th- things in terms of COVID seem like they've changed significantly just right. within the past three months. And I think that is a testament to the fact that that like we still even though we kind of have taken this i think both sides feel like the the country's going to the shitter you know what i mean like right. both sides are looking at it as like oh my god this country's going downhill but even amongst like this incredibly like pessimistic weird time we still managed to like looking back i think there was a lot of paranoia on the conservative side that like this was never going to fucking end right. regardless and then so like then you see that like okay we had like peak times where like it was incredibly locked down obviously like me being a musician as well like i didn't play for like 6 months and right. had to work as a delivery boy and like then you're you're wondering like is this ever going to be go- and then you and then you look at a country like china where you were saying like they're killing people's pets and shit which is like completely not even like not even at all rooted in anything scientific you said at all they're killing people I wasn't sure. I said oh. that earlier. You said that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We said that. I saw well, I'm a video sure they're doing of people it. for no, reasons I've we don't that, know. Like I've heard, I know they did it early on. I, this, you're the second person to say that to me. Like, yeah, I hadn't heard that either, yeah. but I believe it. Oh, yeah. yeah, I saw some videos on Twitter, just people being like, "Yeah, like when a person gets locked down, if they test positive for COVID and they have an animal, they just like take out the animal." Jesus. And they're separating families, and there's like real like. Yeah, and there's like shit, but it's just never in my head. I was like, this is not a plot by the Democrats to lock us all down. The Democrats don't like they're also at least on some level, they're somewhat fiscally responsible. I think it was a plot by both parties to appease their most extreme bases. But but they were. Yeah, that was the I feel like that was the political theater of it. Mm -hmm. But there was like, remember all the fucking conspiracy theories that it's the fucking oh, they're just trying to lock us down. They're trying to get us, like, conditioned to be, like, okay with this. I'm like, it's not, like, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, you, there's plenty of things where they hide shit in bills and, like, fucking tap our phones and the CIA is listening and they're probably listening to this podcast and they'll mm. probably fucking go arrest Base Nectar, maybe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so, but, but I'm saying, like, there's definitely, like, these conspiracy theories that this is, oh, this is these wild fucking ideas that like, this is somehow going to lead to like this dystopian society where we're all in camps. Like I do never fucking happened. I do miss the times. And what's crazy is it did. It did happen in other countries. Obviously I do miss the times when being a conspiracy theorist was cool. I miss those times. I miss like when I was in like I miss middle fun school. Conspiracy right. Theories. Yeah. Like just like you, it was cool to like be like, and did you know that in 1913, Wait. the federal reserve and you're like, you're like, hearing about all this. And it, like, then you look at like shit that happened, like what the CIA was doing in other countries. And it's like, it's mind boggling the shit that goes on. And I do think there certainly is uh, a healthy level of like when something happens, especially something that extreme, like, look, I, in the same vein, like I definitely was not really ever on board with the full lockdowns. I never was. I never was right. like, I never was full COVID ever. Like there was a time when I was definitely more about like, I would, I would wear masks at the, at the beginning. Cause it was like, I felt like, right. and then as soon as I started to get like a vibe that it was like, 
there was there was more than what was actually happening in my day to day life. It was like I kind of like eased up on it and like, but but I I do think there's a healthy amount of like I don't like when when this person says something or that person says something. I don't believe either one of you motherfuckers completely. Right. Uh, oh, a hundred. And I don't care what like, your credentials you know, are or anything. It's so weird you say that because it's like we obviously Baltimore finally lifted their mask mandate, and I, at the point like. It was, I was like fucking over it at that point. Yeah, and that seemed indefinite. But I went to like, we, we were opening in Silver Spring, and I, I remember walking around there in the couple weeks coming into it, and like people are wearing like masks outside. Yeah. Like everyone, and mm-hmm. people were looking at me funny for not, and I was like, what is going on here? Like, yeah. is this really like, are we really like judging people who don't wear a mask outside? Then you got people like you ever notice that the worst drivers are always wearing masks. Right now? <laughs> <laughs> like, nah, but it's 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 I think there's like a healthy level of skepticism with all of this. Mm-hmm. But it's also like everyone just wants to believe it's something more. I'm like, have you ever heard of the, the theory of Occam's razor or whatever it's called? Occam's razor. Occam's razor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like the most logical explanation is probably probably the most, most probable. Logical. It's like. No, they just didn't want hospital beds to fill up because yeah. triage situations are really fucking scary. And that, I think that's what's going on in China. And I've, I haven't looked at the numbers, but like their per capita, like hospital beds per capita is probably so much lower than here. Of course. And like, they're probably like scared shitless of being overwhelmed in their hospitals. I have no idea what their hospital system is like, but yeah. I can't imagine it's like, I can't imagine they have more beds per capita than here. I think the main mistake that when conspiracy theorists, because again, I I don't I don't I think that 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 term has gotten a very negative connotation recently. Well, Q and did that for us. all my favorite all my favorite people were always the ones that were like you know you could sit down and talk about the like I said like the fucking Federal Reserve and just get it right. deep into shit and like it's cool like that there was a time when that was cool and now it's kind of like oh you're a conspiracy and it's kind of this weird thing. I think that the the rabbit hole that people go down too far is a major mistake and they overestimate the competence of the people that are controlling shit. Like you're talking about the the US government that couldn't get they have all of our addresses. If the IRS wants to send us a letter, guess what? You're gonna have it in two days. They couldn't get us all testing kits. They Omicron was over before the testing kits yeah. showed up that were coming to test for Omicron. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the US government you're talking about. And like God bless them. But like they are not that fucking put together and neither like Look at how incompetent most large corporations are and how they become the larger they get. Dude, look at how These... incompetent most people are. I mean, it's like I mean it's 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 true. It's like when you real yeah. when you step back and you realize that like when I hear that like some politician made some law, I don't think like my first assumption is not that there's this diabolical plan and there's this incredibly manipulating like you know, cabal. I just think it's some politician who's scared for his position, position next year. Right. And is trying to do what he thinks is going to appeal to the biggest base of people to get him his job next year. It's a fucking nerd who chose to go into fucking politics in the first place. And then he he's your entire job for all four years is to try to make and shake hands with people so that you have enough campaign donations for your next fucking run. Right. And that's all it is. It's just fundraising. And so when you. Yeah. It's just political positioning and fundraising. No one's ever like like they're trying. Um. Uh, universal basic income in Baltimore. Did you guys see that? Really? Ooh. That's they're doing a test program. I didn't read the details on it. I just saw a clip about it, but I'm like, 
that's actually something that is probably going to end up working. Perhaps. And then, I mean, and, and look, if you're listening to this and you don't know what UBI is, it's, they're basically taking all the social programs that they pay for and they're just stopping them and they're taking all the money and just giving it to you. Now I think people are just going to waste the fucking money. Yeah. But at that point, it's like, at that point, it's like, you can't, like the, I always found universal basic income interesting. I never got completely on board with it. I do think it would be interesting to try it, especially in a city like Baltimore, where it's like fuck, fuck. Nothing it. else try is working. It, try it. Why the <laughs> fuck not? I give Brandon Scott credit for going. It's like, hey, yeah. like let's fucking try this. You know, uh, I definitely think that there are. I mean, people people will say that they're like, well, if you just give everyone money, then people are just going to go out and spend it on. But it's like at that point, it's like, well, I mean, at a certain point. The best you can do right. is, is give people the resources right. to if make it, the right decisions. If it takes you eight weeks to get a fucking test kit to people, maybe you should just give them the cash to go buy one. Exactly. Like, like, exactly. That's a pretty good logic. And the alternative and is to is to like tell people what they have to do. Right. And I don't want to live in a society where I'm told I would rather live in a society where, hey, dude over there, here's fifteen dollars. Here's here's a here's here's a fifteen hundred dollars a month. And you can use this to go I, do this or that. Or, and, and I if guarantee you, don't, you, people who needed food, the majority of people who needed food and got the big, got an $1,800 check or $1,200 check, whatever you got, used it for food if they needed food. Sure, sure. And like, there's plenty of people who fucking wasted it on some Nikes or like fucking, you know, some computer or like whatever, something they didn't, maybe didn't need or maybe needed mm-hmm. for something else wasn't like basic, but like, you gave everybody the money and they figured out what they needed most. And I feel like an overwhelming majority used it for things like that they needed. For yes, sure. For food, sure. Rent. That being Shit said, that there needed. are a lot less radical, crazy things that we could try in the city that just we, I feel like we've completely overlooked. Like, I mean, playing in Fells Point and stuff like that and seeing like the way a lot of those businesses were treated and like, you know, watching bars get music citations and being told they're not allowed to have live music, but then. If you want to set up a speaker right in the middle of the fucking square, okay, yeah. it's like it's it was almost like there was this weird like animosity towards small businesses well, in certain parts that. of the city. I, I think it talks about it speaks to the um, the it like, what's the word for it like the uh, ineptitude of government on like larger levels. Like yeah, when you're just trying to govern, mm-hmm. and look, Brandon Scott came in what twenty twenty like mm-hmm. it was came in in covid like who fucking knows like i mean who knows like it's just it's really hard to run a city let yeah. alone a state let alone a country and if you're in the middle like you're here you go like, yeah and like and to his credit like city was a fucking met like the administration before him just stopped answering the phone in like september mm-hmm. like they just Jeez. people just quit Everyone got fired who didn't quit and everyone just stopped working in like after like it was maybe even earlier than September. It was like I couldn't get people on the phone to figure out like, hey, we're going to do this thing or like, no, it was even earlier. than I feel like it was after the primary. Yeah. Everyone just stopped working in the in City Hall. Well, like this is and, and you would know more about this than I do, obviously, being a business owner in the city yeah i work in the city eric works in the city so we have some level of understanding of it to to a certain degree but what scares me is just like we were talking about the two-party system before 
what you see in cities, and this doesn't apply to the Democrats or the Republicans specifically, because I think this would exist in any single party. It's, it. it, it's just the Democrats. And so it so happens in Baltimore, it's the Democrats. And like when you see that like there's one party right. that is in control of every seat, every position, all 15 council members, the comptroller, whatever the hell other positions, and the mayor for the past however long, and like understanding that the political party is, like we were saying, a private company, a private entity, that like I look at like the people that are risen through the ranks within that part. The de- it's it's a given that whoever wins the Democratic primary is the mayor. There's obviously right. no opposition. Yeah, and it's not it's not taken seriously on any level. And I think like so in order to so in order to rise so in order to become mayor, you have to rise through the ranks of the de- Democratic Party. Right. And in order to rise through the ranks of the Democratic Party, I think if you, that's what you're relying if you're relying on the party to get a platform, right. then at a certain point you have to play ball with what they want right. you to do. It's like getting when you're it's like getting a promotion to manager at I, your company. A hundred percent. I think there, there's a level of that and there's a platform. And I think like there's been such a pro like it's I feel like it's been exposed on a lot of levels in the last few administrations prior to this. Mm-hmm. Just like corruptness, like like kickbacks, money, like money changing hands, and like a lot of shit got exposed over the last like 10, 15 years, maybe mm-hmm. a little longer. And then you ended up in a situation where now, like, it seems like a lot of the stuff in the city is cleaning itself up. Like, We're trying to, it's yeah. It's trying to, and it's like, there's actually, I mean, there's definitely still some, like, people can't get out of their way. There's egos, like, not not necessarily in a city hall level, but, like, seeing some things with, like, stuff we're trying to do. And, like, I think we're just getting to a better level where, like, people are actually out. Like, we're doing this reggae rise up thing, right? And mm-hmm. we moved it to Port Covington and, like, what we're trying to do down in Port Covington, working with those guys with some events, we're trying to create some like, like community, not outreach, but like, and not like community uplift. Like, mm-hmm. we're figuring out how to work with the 501c3s tied to the Port Covington area and like lift them up, create a platform, and raise, raise, um, raise funds. Yeah. Then we're like, hey, well, you know, I've got the restaurants, like, Steve's promo's got, you know, needs for interns, like, Condor Inc., who's like one of our partners, he's a labor company for like gigs. Like he, like he, like maybe we do a job fair, mm-hmm. like for the neighbor for the SB seven and like for like the Cherry Hill area and like that whole community area. There's seven communities in that area that um, are all tied to the SB seven. It's like the South Baltimore seven, mm-hmm. um, and like working with these organizations to like uplift the community and give back and do things. And like we want to, we're like just moved this event over from a, a city park over to the Port Covington to the South, like where South Point used to be. Yeah. It's called, we're calling it Port Covington. Um, yeah. Where Sagamore is. Now. Right. Yeah. So, but over on the other side of the peninsula, but it's, it's an awesome event. It's got um, Soja, uh, cool. Pepper, Dirty Heads, um, uh, oh, sorry, Dirty Heads. Um, I can't, I think of uh, Slightly Stupid. There you go. Is uh is Ballyhoo involved? Ballyhoo, Pasadena, I believe Pasadena is not playing. They had another gig. Ballyhoo, I believe, is playing. I like pro. We got protege. We've got cool. a bunch of like really good reggae acts playing it, and like we're trying to pivot that or like piggyback onto that. Like, hey, we can do these community, yeah, this community uplift. But like that's going on in different areas of the city. There's other things like there's other business leaders who are like, hey, like. Let's do some cool shit and like lift it up. Where like it just hasn't. It's been a lot of like a lot of that act, uh, act 
activity in the last two decades has been people like me who go, not necessarily a promoter, someone exactly like me, but going, how can I leverage this relationship to line my pockets? Yes. Right? But, but, and that's, and that's a problem with Baltimore. Like, and you also have a lot of like leg cutting and like, we're, I feel like we're finally moving past that point. We've got some cool shit going on. Like Moonrise is happening Insomniac, who's like the biggest EDM promoter in the world mm-hmm. is now they took a majority control of Moonrise. They're operating it now. That's awesome for the city. Yeah. Like how does that, that brings it up. These things wouldn't, it was so hard to get things done 10 years ago. Yeah. When Moonrise started in like 2012. The le- like we had to hire a lobbyist just to get meetings with the city, just to get Moonrise yeah. to where it is. And now I feel like the right person, the right conversations get something done. But like, it's so, it's so hard to operate in the city. Whereas like other cities, you can literally walk into a permit office at noon and have a permit by four o'clock that day. Like, well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of goes, I kind of like, I guess what I was getting at is like, there seems to be this thing. Well, it's obvious that like, if, if you have, there's no incentive, if, if it's guaranteed, like the, the, the community building that you're talking about, I don't think comes from the elected officials necessarily. Cause I think what you're experiencing right now is Baltimore got to a point over the past 10 years where then you start seeing, you started seeing businesses kind of be like, you know what? Like, and I, I'll point back to Fell's point with what they did with the taxes thing. It's like, they kind of put their foot down and were like, look, dude, like we expect certain things to be a certain way. And if you're not going to do that, then we're going to make it happen. We're going to, we're going to understand our leverage in this and tell you how it's going to be because otherwise if if you know if you're a single party uh locality and you know you don't have to earn people's votes at that point you don't have to answer the phone right. because you're going to win next election anyway right. so what's the incentive to improve what's the incentive to make anything better you're not worried you're going to lose your job right. you know so it's like then you have guys doing what you're doing and that's kind of, and so in that aspect i guess it it all points to me it points in the direction of like you said, you, other cities you can go get a fucking perm. You can walk in and get a permit by four p.m. In this city, you got to hire. You used to have to hire a lobbyist, lobbyist just to get just, the conversation. Just to, to get, get the conversation over the over the hill. It's to like, me, it's like maybe the solution is get the fuck out of the way. That's what it is. Get the fuck out, and it's that's like, why I look at like universal just, basic income. Like it seems like you guys are finding ways to get more in the way at this point. I almost even feel though like, I don't disagree I feel like with UBI the, is like almost get out of the way. Like hey, yeah, instead of look, like being responsible for managing this program and creating it where someone's going to stick their hand in the hot hat and take their cut and like take advantage of the program, which seems like it happens a lot with programs in this area. Dude, it's some kind of social program that's funded by government money. that's run privately or something. And someone's fucking pocketing something. Hey, we're just going to give people money this time and they can just go figure out what they want to do with it. Yeah. That sounds a lot better than like, Hey, we're going to do this thing and like, we're going to manage it, but we're going to bring in outside people to management and we're going to hope that they're honest. Like that never, it just in larger cities, it doesn't seem to fucking work. Yeah. Like, yeah it doesn't. Pro- and like getting out of the way is, Hey, we're just going to give you the money. Like just figure out what you want to do. <laughs> like I, would, I think, just I think simplifies that's, everything. Yeah. So you like, you're, you UBI guy. I could I see. I think I'm UBI. I'm like, on, I'm like on the fence. I haven't. You were kind of Yang gang I, for a bit, weren't you? I just liked his idea of like, dude, you're already selling all of our information. Like, to right. advertisers and it's like just give me the money for it like, right i'll take give me, a cut give me a 50 50 split and we'll yeah. just call it even it's like, my shit like, or yeah you have the platform i have the information you can sell it you have to give me a cut and worst case scenario be, it would be a good kind of uh 
experiment. Not saying that I want our city to become a lab rat for no, some... but it's it's look, we'll see how it goes. It and then if it winds up working, then right. you can impose it on a larger level. Right. But and it's kind of hard to convince. I think that was where it's like we're in Andrew Yang's position. It's like it's kind of hard to convince a country to completely go that direction. Yeah, but it's, it's like it's the people. Can we who try are this against... in Towson first. I feel yeah. like <laughs> once 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 everyone got the their stimulus, the two one two eight six zip code, please. <laughs> um, but no, but it was like it's like when you look at Yang, like everyone's so you know he's like oh universal basic income and he, everyone's shitting on it and it's like. You know, like there's one side the naysayers are going to find that one case of the person who went and bought a bottle of Fireball and crashed into a school bus of kids with their universal basic income Mm -hmm. and not talk about thousands of other people that like uplifted themselves. Yeah. Like those those funds like create opportunity and options and like Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So it's like it's definitely an interesting one. I mean, I, I'm sure, dude, knowing this country, we'll fuck it up. So that's, I think that what you're saying about the stimulus, what were you saying yeah, about that? I was just saying like, uh, everyone was so poo poo about universal basic income. Cause they're like, I don't want free money. Like I want to earn my money and then pay half of it to taxes. Uh, once everyone got their first stimulus check, just that free 1200 bucks. I think everyone was pro universal basic income. Yeah. Oh yeah. But they don't understand. People don't understand like subsidies, government assistance. Like when you're like trying to explain to someone like holding a bag of fucking candy with corn syrup in it, I'm like, you know why that bag's so cheap, right? Like, yeah, the government subsidizes corn. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't it be cooler if corn was just regular? Corn products were just regular price, mm-hmm. and we just got those billions of dollars into our pocket. That went to corn. Like, I'd rather not buy cheap candy. It's and weird. That's why I find. I, that's like, why I find. Just, get, just give me the money. I yeah, find UBI real. to be such an interesting concept. Uh, and when I say interesting, I'm still on the fence about it. They're uh, and, and don't get me wrong. They're going and looking at other programs where they're wasting like corn subsidies and cotton subsidies and like a lot of like the subsidies for. There's a bunch of. Just agricultural like some, ones. I remember reading this, and I don't know if it exists. And Trump said he was going to fix this shit. I mm-hmm. just want to keep score. Like, <laughs> they never went through and audited, like, budgets. And, like, fat, there's, like, subsidies that have been, like, wool subsidies. And, like, shit that's been on the record books for 70 years. It's just, like, yeah, it makes some things you probably don't buy. We we Most of us buy corn syrup items and, like, commodity-fed beef all the time. Mm-hmm. And like that, that corn that we feed the beef is subsidized. That's why the corn is, that's why the beef is so cheap, mm-hmm. right? They, the feed is what they, cause they have a feed ratio. So like every 10 pounds of corn you put in creates one pound of beef or whatever the fuck that feed ratio is. Mm-hmm. Now the government buys corn at a dollar, whatever it is, a dollar a pound. They say they set the price. Mm-hmm. If, the growers grow enough corn that the corn price by normal supply and demand would be 30 cents. Mm-hmm. The government still pays the farmer a dollar a pound. Doesn't matter. Yes. Right? So that's how subsidies work. Yeah. The government doesn't use their own money to pay for those subsidies. They use your tax money. But that's all the government's money is. Right. Uh, that's, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I'm just trying to explain in the most basic way. So like, yeah. what people don't realize is like, there's a bunch of shit that you don't use. And what... A lot of Republicans don't realize it's like there's a bunch of shit and it's Republicans who are pushing for this mm-hmm. and it's like shit we're paying for. Mm-hmm. It's like it's our money. 
And like what they'll do is get rid of these programs and then you'll just get universal basic income and you can decide what you want to spend money on at yeah. a fair market price. Well, what's funny about this conversation, <laughs> this is why I think that UBI is, like I said, such an interesting concept is because like subsidies and things like that is obviously more government control over industry. Right. And for a lot of like conservative leaning libertarian people, they don't want government involvement in the market on any level. So what's interesting about UBI is it's this weird combination of like, we don't want government involvement, just right. like you don't want government involvement. Because, right. But that's the problem with with the kind of like, like we were talking about before, that kind of like, um, what is it called? Du, du, not duopoly, but that like, uh, dichotomy, like the two things, the right. polarization the is like, yeah, yeah. you know, like you either have to think this or this. And it's like, then you look at, you the best go, argument I'm in the middle. I'm like fuck both. That's that's what it is. And and the best argument I've heard for UBI and what I truly believe. And I'm not necessarily convinced that something exactly like Yang was pro- proposing or I don't, I don't even know what the city is proposing. I don't even know. But what I think is an inevitability mm-hmm. is that even when I walk into like like uh McDonald's, I remember when we were in high school we'd walk in and there was like Four people at the front and like some people doing shit in the back and you walked up, took the order, blah, 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 blah. And that's you're looking at it. And then I walk in now and now there's like four kiosks in there and there's like one dude at the front just like making sure everything goes smoothly. And then you walk into the grocery store and there's 10 fucking aisles of like cash registers and not a single person at them. There's just one person watching over the four self checkouts. And I'm like, I'm looking at I'm like. That's 10 jobs right there. And and I guess what I'm getting at is that like you're looking at how the technolo- technological advancement gets to a point where it makes so much unskilled labor, right. like being a cashier, like being a front desk person at this place or that place, it makes them obsolete. And so as technology improves to the point – because the whole point of technology is that, well, this kiosk ultimately is going to cost you less in the long run than paying this guy X dollars right. per hour. So – acknowledging that it's only going to become more and more advanced, then you're also kind of acknowledging that, like, here it comes. Bless you. I'm allergic to this. You're also kind of acknowledging that there is going to be a point when a large swath of the population, for lack of a better term, becomes obsolete and they right, don't but, have but a way. About, but, think, but I don't know if that's the case because you think for every – one cashier that's gone away, there's two DoorDash drivers now. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Like, and like, dude, we have... But those DoorDash drivers were delivery guys that worked for a company before, and now they just are rogue well, working for did, everybody. but like 80% of the restaurants delivering food now didn't deliver food before. True. Cheesecake True. Factory never had delivery drivers, right? Mm-hmm. And like, not only is Cheesecake Factory have delivery drivers, but they've done an analysis of their line. They figured out during their busiest hours how much of their line they used... And now they have a ghost kitchen that does which is the other 30% of their line that they're not using, mm-hmm. right? So now they have two restaurants operating out of there. There's a, apparently, and I don't know all the ones. You can look at You can Google it. There's a bunch of ghost kitchens that are just like corporate ghost kitchens that like Olive Garden now has Bubby's Tacos. What was the right? big one? Chuck E. Cheese had... Uh... Oh, the pizza. So like yeah. Chuck E. Cheese didn't fucking deliver pizza before the pandemic, right? Yeah. So like... But now it, it starts with a forced, P or something, yeah. Yeah, it forced them it to be like... Sounds very Italian. Yeah, it forced a bunch of companies to be like, yo, we have to innovate to generate revenue. And now suddenly, they've, they're employing, let's just call it three delivery drivers a night that work at... Ch- that they, they generate enough money to pay three salaries for delivery drivers. Mm-hmm. 
by doing delivery. And 80% of the other restaurants who didn't deliver before the pandemic also do that. Mm -hmm. So now there's a bunch of delivery driver jobs that basically exist because of the same technology advancements that created the fucking true. And it would be interesting to see if that was a direct, if that was (laughs) an even balance of transition. Trust me, the shitty fucking cashiers from these places who can't deliver either. And they were shitty cashiers. We're banning every single one of them when they fuck up a customer's order. Like, <laughs> it's really fucking bad out there with the delivery drivers. Well, that was my pitch for UBI, and you shot that down. So, <laughs> no, but it's like, look, I think universal basic income like allows people to go. Well, what do I want to be doing? I think my biggest thing when I'm hiring right now is people go, "I'm interested in the job," and I say, "Well, what do you want to do?" Mm-hmm. I don't know anything. I'm like, well, that doesn't sound very interesting. Like, what do you want to do? Do you want to cook? Do you want to like wait tables? Do you want to wash dishes? I've plenty of people who go, I'll wash dishes. Let's, uh, cool. Let's, let's take this a step higher. Uh, you also pay like 1650 an hour to wash dishes. So, well, I mean, yeah, then I want to wash dishes too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, cause it's interesting to say, what do you want to do? Right. Great philosophical question. Do, and, and a lot of people don't know the answer to that. Right. What do most people want to do? And I, that's a rhetorical question because I feel like in a lot of ways, I think that when you look at the jobs that most people do, it's not jobs they want to do. It's no. jobs they have to do. I don't know. I, I feel like there is like, especially when you look at like the, uh, the kind of like Marxist way of looking at like an ideal utopian society yeah. where like everybody like gets to do like provide for the thing in their own way. And it's like, I'm looking at it, it's like, I don't necessarily believe that if given their own devices that uh, I would say the majority of people don't necessarily think in terms of like, this is what I really want to do. I don't think most people are like, I just need money. Yeah. Hey, I just, and it's like for us, it's like wrong thing. Like I just don't like, but I think people, it's going to force people into a negotiation with themselves of like, I have free time. I have this money. And like, look, plenty of people fall off or like, waste the money or do whatever but like there's going to be people who are like yo i'm really good at editing photos or like mm-hmm. i'm really good at like multi-level marketing for like hey i can i can buy a drop ship yeah like i can start drop shipping this thousand bucks you gave me cool i turned it into 10 boom this that dude i was fucking selling pizzas out of my trunk in a parking lot less like like just a little under two years ago mm-hmm. i've got third restaurant opening next week like i really like i love the pizza grind like i do and like I didn't know I was going to love, I love food and I wanted to be in food, but like I fucking love the pizza. Like I love the food thing that I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. I had no idea I could do this on this level. I also think that you're kind of unique in that. Yeah. But I think there's other people like, dude, I see it. I follow a ton of food people, but there's other people like my buddies. I was, it was funny. I was hanging out. We had Elenium down in Hampton, Virginia at the Hampton Coliseum this weekend, and my buddy came in from Atlanta to uh, to shoot the show. He's a photographer. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, talking. He, he was, like, you know, masturbating to other photographers' work <laughs> on, like, Instagram. Oh, this guy. I go, oh, is that, like... I'll do that. And just the way I follow other pizza pages or I follow other promoters, he follows every music photographer and, like, photographers he likes. And mm-hmm. he just... And it's, like... You're going to put yourself in that environment where you're following the people, like you're getting at, like if that's, what are you looking at online? Like, what are you spending time doing? 
Yeah. Somebody gives you enough money to go chase it a little bit. Like that's fucking sick. Like, yeah. But a lot of people aren't going to do it. A lot of people are, I think people are scared. People. Yeah, it is. It is a, a, a interesting question to try to decide. Are most people not, of the entrepreneurial spirit well, because of the risk or because they just don't have it. I, I think there's a, f- it's, I, I got into a really, I started red pilling last week on um, <laughs> education and I got into a really deep thing about, cause I was, I was looking at switching my, my son's at Goddard right now. And I was like, something happened that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. This is actually funny. They, they were going to like catered lunch and I was like, I was like, uh, I'm a very, I'm a food snob. Mm-hmm. I look at ingredients. I'm like, my kid's not eating that. And I was like, they sent the list of like, it was the menu items. And I was like, well, what the fuck's in this? Like, yeah. I want to see the nutritional cards on all this shit. Like, oh, fish sticks for two year olds. Like what? Where? Is where? this for every day or just a single? Like every day they were catering. Like we switched to, I'm not packing lunch anymore. Right. Oh. And I make lunch. I don't. You follow me on Instagram. You see the fucking yeah, lunches. yeah, yeah. So like, I'm like, my son doesn't eat this. My son eats forged mushrooms and like, like he eats the the Szechuan pepper spicy noodles from Red Szechuan Bistro. Yeah. Like he's not eating fish sticks. Like yeah. just. And I'm not saying like I'm not gonna feed him to him. My son's not gonna eat the fish sticks. Yeah. I and also, he shouldn't be eating. He's fried not, fried and he fish shouldn't. Sticks, yeah. And so I start looking into this, and I was like, you know what? Maybe my son just needs to switch fucking schools. So this, so I, mean, I started diving into education, and I was like, turns out they still know very little about how any of us learn, especially at that age. And like these pro, like when you start to get into Common Core, yeah, man, some some kids probably do learn by learning Common Core, and some kids learn other math, and like. All I fucking realize is we know so little about how kids learn. And that's why so many kids get left behind. And that's why so many of these fucking kids and like these young adults and these like kids in their twenties who are messaging us for a job have Mm -hmm. no fucking clue what they're doing because like the education system in this country is so fucked and it's so set up. It doesn't teach you any, they're just starting to teach like financial um, responsibility classes and things like that. Like, we just don't know anything. And like these, I feel like kids are getting dumber because they're just like, it's because of how the education system set up. And because we're just, again, the government, yeah, they're so fucking slow to respond to like the fact that like, they're like, Hey, let's take a step back. And like, maybe everyone needs to be on an individualized learning plan. And maybe there's a way to analyze this shit. Maybe it'll help kids figure out what the fuck they want to do. And maybe trigonometry is not that important for somebody who wants to be a radio broadcaster. Yeah. Or like go into media. Like maybe there's like 17 categories and you can pick one of them. Uh And if you don't like, it's just like college, you switch directions. But like maybe we should, like I've never fucking used trigonometry. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, let me me say, dude, let me just say this. I'm 100% on board with you. And I agree with you. Uh, I would venture to say the only distinction I would make is I think we have a pretty decent understanding of where kids would flourish in an educational environment. We just don't do it. And I think the reason we don't do it is because we can't do it in the way the system's set up. Right. Like with the educational system, and I'm sure you can relate to this. I know, Eric, we talked about this a billion times, but like, you know, we were, we did well on tests and stuff like that. 
But like when I really felt like school was more about like training you to be able to like follow a structure. Yeah. And it didn't make learning fun. It didn't like nothing about it. Like the people that did best in school as you grow up and get later in life are the same people that are like really good at their like job at this company and they're like great at organize and it's like yeah and it's like i remember when i stopped giving a shit in high school mm -hmm. and i still did well on standardized tests and like that's like i just stopped caring like yeah i'll be a c student but then you look at like how how much time do you spend like looking into stuff on your own time and how much time do I spend researching area like people we have a love for learning that that's, love that was actually it's mm-hmm. funny you say that that was the point and it was like talking about how younger kids learn yeah and it was like they have at that age at that two like even younger and like as they go on they have such a thirst for learning like like. And seeing it now in a two-year-old and trying to, like, expose him to things. Like, we go hiking all the time. We're outdoors in the zoo and the aquarium and the fucking art and do art stuff. And, like, I'm just like, yo, like, people, children want to learn. You just have to put them in a position to be learning things. Mm -hmm. Not occupied just so you have free time. Like, actually, like, engaged in learning and stuff and, like... We are not set up for that. We're set up for like everyone learns the same way and this is how we're going to teach it. And yeah, if you fail, you get to learn it again. I mean, I so remember you will learn it. You will yeah. take this until you either fucking learn how to learn it like this or we're just going to pass. Yeah, it's not even really being able to learn 18 it. It's in like, fourth grade. Yeah, show up, <laughs> like, show up, remember it long enough to take the test and then forget and then it because forget you it. never absorbed it in a meaningful way to actually apply it. Like you get like this bun, you get this like boatload of information and this is another thing I realized as I got older was like when we were taught about like music and science and chemistry and all this stuff, all all in like different classes. And then it wasn't until I got older that I realized like, oh, shit, Beethoven was around the same time. Like Beethoven had a number one hit when George Washington was fighting the Revolutionary War. And like you start to learn about things in like a connected. That is first gold record. Yeah. Like you you learn like it. They you were never taught things in a way you were taught a bunch of information but never given any type of way to connect it or apply it to your everyday life. And I don't want to say that that's done purposefully. I think, again, instead of it being this diabolical thing of this evil, manipulating class of people that are trying to keep us down, I think it comes down to incompetence. And I think when you have a system like the way our education system works, we are so bad at trying to foster that environment for such a large group of people that it winds up playing down to the lowest common denominator. And there's also the other approach like we were talking about before with like uh, when like you're talking about doing these community build up things outside, like completely devoid, just let the government just let me do it. Like I'm not asking you to do anything other than to let me do this thing. Right. I think that so much of what makes a school successful is not just the school itself. Like I look at like Towson High School and then you go right around the beltway to like another high school, like Overly High School. And it's like, well, we're in the same jurisdiction. We, in theory, receive the same amount of funding as a county school. And like, this is all like, but what's the difference? The difference is that in Towson, it's not just what you pick up in the school. It's that when those kids go home, they are more than often, far more in other areas, going home to a stable family that is also encouraging and instilling education as a very vital thing. Oh my God. And so that makes the school better. Like... A hundred percent. And it's like the parents, I mean, it comes, here we go again. Like it comes back to like self-responsibility and like taking that into account and saying, Hey, like as a parent, you have to be like, yo, it's not the school's fucking job to like 
make sure like my parents made me do my homework like that was that's a privilege honestly yeah like for sure parents who actually cared and like forced you into making now i got good grades up until 10th grade because i just up until 11th grade because i just i was engaged i just went through something and realized hey this is all bullshit and it's not going to matter in 10 years Mm -hmm. all of it literally like went through i got viral meningitis i went fucking crazy i had swelling (laughs) on the brain I came out a different person and I was like, none of this fucking matters. I like almost died. And I was like in my head, I don't know what clicked, but it was like, how'd you get meningitis making out with a super hot chick? No, actually the, the irony is base nectar. They don't know. (laughs) Got him. It was base nectar. Um, You were just teetering the line at too old at that point. I'm glad it it got to you. No, it was like, I, we got some, we got some crabs from a questionable place. Could have been that I had some stresses in my life. Like a girl was like, fucking running me through the ringer mm. like i don't know if it was that i don't know what fucking happened in that time frame but i got really sick really fast they thought it was my crohn's so they because i was throwing up uh-huh and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me and like i almost died because they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. they're like crohn's and then the doctor I, I remember this story yeah sure um the doctor walks in and goes twist his head to the nurse and the nurse they're like what and they're like turn his head i think he has meningitis and they turned my head and they were like holy shit we have to do a spinal tap right away damn and so it was like it was like um so i'm so what happened when they turn your head i guess so i really scream so it's like it's you have encephalitis Mm. you have like swelling on this in the spinal cord and stuff Uh. and so they turned my head i screamed like he has meningitis it was viral and it, it wasn't like the transmittable kind it's like the whatever and so I was in the hospital, but I remember I convinced I was delirious, but I, I was pulling my IVs out. I was naked <sighs> in the window of Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. Hell yeah. I was like pissing in, I pissed in a like janitor's closet. Like it was, I was like, like. So off. you just became way it cooler. Basically, like, <laughs> yeah. It was basically college, but I was like 16. <laughs> and so. This kid is reborn. As there was something, something with my personality changed after that. And I stopped fucking caring, but I started looking like long-term like life like happiness like things like that and like it became i became very self-responsible in that sense worked a lot like made a lot of money but like literally punted school was like, yeah fuck this like just didn't care like but i was right turns out didn't fucking matter yeah like, and for a lot of people it doesn't and like for i would honestly i would say for most people the education that you get from that time is not necessarily what I remember in kindergarten class, my teacher used to have this poster said, all I ever really needed to know I learned in kindergarten. And I was like, all right, maybe like reading is vital, but also it's like, I knew how to read when I was in kindergarten. Cause my parents made me learn how to read. Right. You know, it's like you get to a certain point, like you're saying, you're learning fucking trigonometry and it's like, okay, today I did use trigonometry as like part of a bit though. On the podcast, we were trying to figure <laughs> knew out what it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was like we were trying to say like how far away this camera was from that couch because I was saying I had like a nice ass, but it was like I was like doing something over there, and they were like, it looked kind of like not that fat on the camera. I was like, well, it's like twelve feet, and they were like, nah, dude, like that's easily six. And I was like, well, let's think about. It. And then so we did like the hypotenuse of it, and we were like, okay, well, this is eight feet I love here. That we're using the word hypot. I don't think I've used the word hypot. I forgot about that word. Hypotenuse since <laughs> Yeah, dude. But that shit's in like a look, bit would have never fly if I didn't go to tenth grade. Maybe maybe something to discuss and maybe a solution for this is to realize like kids, everything's moving quicker. 
kids can make decisions of what direction they want to go at an earlier age because they have access to more info. Like maybe like the college style of like learning should start at like 14. You should start testing a bunch of stuff. Hey, each year you pick a different major to focus on. Yeah, but instead like, the college style of learning has gone the opposite direction where now it's starting to mirror more of the the grade school style of learning, I would say. It? I have no I idea. Would say, I, mean, I dropped like, out of college. Yeah, me too. Sam. As all three Cheers. of us dropouts, we can all officially <laughs> get us say. Now. We get our own podcast. We talk shit and say fuck a lot. We know. I mean, <laughs> I, I, look, one of the main reasons, that was really one of the main reasons I dropped out of college is because I went there and the whole first year I was retaking classes like at a lower te- level, like, hey, not even like English the same class. Yeah. Like, English yo, 101. I know where to put the comma. Leave me alone. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I'm <laughs> the only difference is now I'm paying you to, to take the same classes I took in like 11th I'm grade. I'm convinced, speaking of conspiracy theories, I'm convinced all this shit, the first two years of college is just, it's just lobbyists pushing mm-hmm. and like. We're going to get in the lo- let's talk about lobbyists after this, but like it's Flex. lobbyists pushing this idea of like, well, we got to move these books. It's lobbyists for the book company and the book company has to fucking keep, they got to keep making their money. Like, dude, like, and so it's, yo, you like, look at, look at like all the fucked up shit in the world, right? Styrofoam. Mm-hmm. We still use styrofoam. Why the fuck are we using styrofoam? Right? Yep. We have these paper boxes there. Maybe the styrofoam costs a penny less, right? But there's a fucking lobbyist, right? Yeah. There's probably dozens of them. There's just fucking lobbyists for the styrofoam industry. Yep. There's a guy, right, who takes home six digits, probably closer to a quarter mil a year, and he's the top lobbyist for styrofoam and, like, inorganic plastics and fucking PFAA. PFAs and he's just like, look, it floats. It'll <laughs> never, yeah. it'll never deteriorate. In a flood, you can serve in a flood. You could leave floods. a chicken sandwich like, in this, put it out on the river. Right. Come back and get it a year later. Styrofoam. <laughs> but it's like, when you get into all these things where you're like, find inefficiencies, I feel like behind every inefficiency that you can find in our society there's a fucking lobbyist standing there pushing it. But what's always what's every, always every inefficiency tied to government regulation? Boom. Or government, That's exactly what I was gonna say. Things like, but the market's starting to push back, and like I'm like almost once I get to like ten restaurants, I'm gonna get on my high horse and start calling people out for using shit like styrofoam. <laughs> yeah, I just used, I just got into it with a with a publicly traded restaurant owner, like one of the founders of a big company, because like I didn't like how they were assembling something the takeout orders and like I happen to fucking DM him and be like, yo, you guys just got in trouble for some other shit with your food. Here's a picture like this can't like, and he read it and he didn't reply within an hour and I fucking lit him up. He's like, I'm really sorry. We're going to fix it. Like blah, blah, blah. Like, thanks so much. Like, but I'm like, dude, the market is going to come at like, you think cancel culture for fucking, some of the shit's petty. Like, wait till we start cancel culturing places that use styrofoam. Yeah. Like, it's going to come, like, at some point. Like, mm-hmm. at some point, like, dumb inefficiencies like that where people are just ruining the environment, ruining the planet, like, ruining your drinking water because mm-hmm. they're just lazy and they don't want to fucking deal with, like, the shit. Yeah. Like, we're it's going to come for them. Like, well, like like you said, it's it's always this golden combination of money, private interests, and government ties. So the private interests are the ones funding the politicians to be able to make their next term. But but when you get voted in, 
after getting donations. The styrofoam guy doesn't come into your office and give you a $250,000 campaign donation. Right. And then the first thing you do in office is make styrofoam make illegal. styrofoam illegal. But at some point, the market's going to push back and like... It's just constituents who are like, we want to see it at a mass level. And places or cities are doing it. You're seeing it. Cities are banning styrofoam. Yeah. They're banning plastic bags. Speaking of that, and again, I think it's a fucking lobbyist behind it. That So like Baltimore banned plastic bags. Mm-hmm. I hate plastic bags. I have a shit ton of them from Target. I always bitch at the guys at Target or the cashiers. I'm like, just pack it heavy. I don't need any more fucking Target plastic bags at my house mm-hmm. that I need to eventually recycle up there. But, like, when they banned plastic bags and made it, like, a five-cent charge or whatever the charge is, they also made a five-cent charge for paper. And they also made a five-cent charge for compostable. And I'm like, if I'm buying compostable, I should not have to pay you the five cents. Yeah. I decided to spend more money on my bags to make sure they're compostable. So you have to oh, pay five that's cents? That's a compostable bag. So you have to just... So when you go to the grocery store... <laughs> Yeah. But you pay There's a charge in Baltimore If you get a bag mm-hmm. They charge you five yeah, cents Yeah five cents I use compostable bags I don't care Well I mean I just don't Like what is the thought process For the it does, law Some lobbyist Probably was like Some plastic bag lobbyist Or someone else Or some guy Who took it Some guy in city hall or Someone who took a check Somebody was like We gotta do it for all bags I'm like Look, like now you defeat. Now you just made bags I agree, expensive. I agree that, like, yeah, probably paper bags are probably bad too. And we should probably do it for that five cents for that for fucking deforesting trees. But what if we're just using it for recycle? What if it's a hundred percent recycled? Like, we should just be doing that. Like, we can do it. Like, we could live. The whole country could go to recycled fucking. Like, if we just made our shit efficient, our recycling. You know, have you ever looked into recycling? Oh, that's I, a fucking dude. Yeah, it's that's a, a red pill. Uncovered, uncovered the truth, dude. It's of recycling. So the truth of recycling is we fill up ships and send it to third world countries and pay them to recycle it, and they yeah. dump it in fucking landfills. Burn there. it off. Or burn it. But like, <laughs> you go to a, a place. Sham. You go to a socialist place like fucking Sweden or Norway or like, like Switzerland, and they burn their fucking trash in these giant things like you see off ninety five. Mm-hmm. And but they have like the real deal filters, and the air coming out of those things are cleaner than the fucking shit that exists outside of it. Like that's how good their filters are. We're just fucking lazy, and we can't get anything done. And like everyone's trying to cut corners and make money. It's like we could burn our trash. We could figure it out, and there'd be like a smaller amount of toxic waste we can dump in landfills. And like, I guess I don't know all of it, but like. I mean, look, there's a better way to be doing a lot of that shit. But again, it's got who's picking up the trash. Who's paying for that? The common trend is the countries that. Although, hold on real quick. I just want to say the caveat. I am not suggesting that we suddenly start giving people the money instead of picking up the trash. (laughs) (laughs) As part of their universal basic income. Yeah. Hey, we're done trash collection. You figure it out. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I Now that I have this $1,500 a month, you know what I realize I want to do? Pick up trash. I think that'll be my pursuit. I'm figure out my own what I'm going to do with my trash on my own. You still need you need people working jobs that they don't want to do because there are so many jobs that nobody wants to do. And that's 100%. one of the beauties of a of a desperate desolate society is that there's always going to be someone to clean your septic tank. Cuz nobody was ever growing up going, dude, I I cannot wait to jump into somebody's 4 years of shit and clean it out. 100%. You need a guy that needs to do that. You know? <laughs> But yeah, recycling's a fucking sham. 
Yeah, it is. It's just it's what we bastardize everything we do. Like because we're not there's so, the intent, the basic intent of recycling is such a good idea. The problem with the problem is everybody listening. The problem with America is also this is a what, title for the TikTok clip. Too. <laughs> is everyone listening? Problem check, check. with America. The problem with, problem with America. America. Go ahead. Whenever we name all it's these, the only pro- This is the only problem, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. <laughs> is all the countries we're listing for the most part are these countries that are extremely homogenous in terms of culture and religion and things like that where they like you go to Sweden and it's just a bunch of fucking Swedish people dude it's just Swedish people. it's just Swedish people meatballs and it's not everywhere. hard everywhere it's not hard to get a bunch of people that all come from the same background share the same history share all the same things the only thing America has going for it is when you come to America look if I went to China tomorrow, yeah. give me four lifetimes, I'd never become a Chinese guy. I couldn't. I would never be looked at as a Chinese person. Chinese person comes here, two, one, the second they step in here, yeah. they're an American. Well, it's That's, the buy-in. It's the buy-in. They want the buy-in from the individual coming here of like, hey, I, I'm assimilating. I want to be an American. But that's what American yeah. culture is, though. Right. It's it's not it's not a cultural well, thing. It's an idea. Here's my buddy from Atlanta that I was with this weekend. We were talking about this, and he goes... So I don't know what country he was talking about. I can text him and ask him, but he was like, he was uh, like, yeah, they bitch about their taxes there. Wouldn't you want, wouldn't, wouldn't America be great if like all we bitched about was our taxes, if our healthcare and our roads were clean and our, all, all the shit that's like our everyday shit that we bitch about was fine and we mm-hmm. didn't bitch about it. And the only thing fucking annoying us was taxes. We just had one thing that we bitched about. But everything else was taken care of. Yeah. That's the other side of it. That's like the de- democratic socialist, like the proper social. Is that democratic socialism? Is that that's what Sweden is? Like the Bernie stuff. Sanders? Because yeah, that's like, like the, the Bernie Sanders' it's a, it's favorite. It's a higher, countries. like you're paying like 60% taxes, but mm-hmm. like your healthcare is taken care of, your schooling's taken care of through like when you get a career, like all like your, your daycare, your time off, your like all your shit is taken care of, all of it. Like, right? And then the only thing you're bitching about is taxes. But, like, it's the only thing. Yeah. I mean, there it's is the bad. added thing. What's up? It's not bad. It's not bad, it's but not at the same time, off. it's like, I mean, there's so many other things. I know I said there was only one problem with America. Uh, turns out there's, there's two. more. There's, there's two. There's two <laughs> problems with America now that I'm really thinking about it. And the other problem, I would say, is that, like, think of the stuff that America is, like, responsible for globally. That Sweden is just fucking not. Like, think of how, like, let's let's make Sweden switch roles with America for one day on a global scale and see how well they do with all their all their fucking free this, free that, free this. It's like you're not like if somebody attacks Sweden, who's stepping in? Who's stepping in? Really? Denmark, maybe. Denmark, maybe. Know. And what are they gonna do? Right. Fucking throw a chair at them? What are they gonna do? <laughs> Honestly, right. it's like there there's like these ideas. Um, I'm not saying there aren't something to strive for, but I do think it's kind of an unfair comparison to just say like, well, look, they got to figure it out. It's like, well, they're no, living a completely not, different that fucking e- it's thing. It's not that over easy, here. and I'm not. I mean, it's hyperbole to believe it. I think that's the word for it. Mm-hmm. Hyperbole. Like, hyperbole, like it's it's oh, an overblown idea to like think that it's that easy. I'm just saying like, there's probably a better way than what we're doing. Oh yeah, and like, there's definitely like. There's a simple, like, look, if I didn't have to worry about healthcare and education and, like, 
fucking fish sticks on my fucking two year old son's menu at his school. Mm-hmm. Like, like if people, like there's a fish stick lobbyist that's lobbying for those farm raised tilapia fish sticks that are probably fucking killing my child slowly <laughs> that they're serving in school. Um, I also have found it ironic that whenever, <laughs> whenever you talk to somebody about that, like they'll like like talk about like the ideal country to live in, and then they just list like the top five whitest countries in the world. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, dude, Sweden's right. just—it's not even white; it's just Nordic. Like, yeah, you're beyond not, white. It's beyond white. It's the whitest shade. Yeah, they're like, ice. <laughs> it's the they're I ice. I, I would not fit yeah. in in Sweden. <laughs> I don't know if you would. We're black. Uh, I'm black Eric, in Sweden. I, I think you might you might fly there. Eric, you, might make it. you might make it. I could it. fake it till <laughs> I make it. You know, <laughs> I could figure it out. Um, but no, it's 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 definitely like. But those are the places that tried it. But they also stayed neutral and everything. And they're not. Their defense is. <laughs> maybe it'll change now that fucking they're trying to join NATO. <laughs> oh <laughs> like, yeah, true. Oh shit, they're. Hey, you got to. Are they not in NATO? No, they're like all those Nordic countries are like they invaded Ukraine. We're joining NATO. Fuck you. Yeah, they did. They did all their fucking conquests like with the Vikings, dude. That was it. They They get a free pass for that, too. They haven't conquered shit since New Finland. Nobody really calls them out for that. It's like, dude, you guys were like some of the worst. Yeah, like literally the worst. I think they ate babies. They did a lot of shit, dude. Yeah. They were worse than the fucking Greeks. We had goddamn respect. They haven't put their flag in a new country since like Greenland, right? Yeah, and that's that's just nobody wants that shithole. Yeah, Greenland sucks. They had to fucking they had to false advertise it just to get people interested. (laughs) Shit, we're not gonna call it Iceland because we've already taken that. Let's call it Greenland. People (laughs) want to move here. We'll go back and tell them it's Greenland. Apparently, it was. Yeah, that was like the actual. Is that really like? I think it was the thing. They were like, "We'll call this Iceland. We'll call this Greenland. Nobody's gonna want to come here." Florida timeshares. This is the nice one with volcanoes and warm fucking sulfur baths. Yeah. Let's send them all to the And back then there was no Google, so you were just looking at a map and one's called like Suck Town and the other one's called like Super Hot Girls Babes Party Town. You're like, I'm going there, dude. I'm sailing there. The British are like, let's go fucking invade Greenland. They get there like, shit. (laughs) Shit. Oh my gosh. Were there any other pressing issues you want to discuss? Because I'm actually kind of scared that we might wander upon a dreaded third problem with America. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not ready that, to dude. accept that. What's going on with uh, who won? So, so Das Beer House won that shit? Das Beer Hall. Das Beer, Hall. Das Beer yeah. House was the place down in Fed, which I didn't realize until way too late in the game that um, I used to play at the Das Beer House. And I, I never connected What's the two What's the difference dots. between the two? It's uh, the same owners, I believe, minus one guy. Um, they had the place. Wait, what happened to the guy? I, I don't know. We're going to have to. We'll ask him at knife point. <laughs> um, but uh, something went awry, and they reopened at the corner of Joppa and Harford Road. And um, even somebody who grew up here, I still see that it's a massive victory for, like, how the like, if you look at, like, the just the location. Where are they at? Joppa and Harford. It's in Parkville. Yeah. Wow. It's in Parkville. Yeah. And not only did they win, but they smoked yeah, everyone. I mean, it dominating. was... They actually did... Did they promote? They were like, hey... They, but everyone promoted. But, okay. Everyone promoted hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, El Buff was, like, going... Cr- every... every I, not, like... This Weird year, that people like had to leave. I've got a twenty three thousand person email list. I think I can win this next year. I think. Hey, you know what? Uh, if you get a fucking liquor license, you know our you know our qualifications. We have one downtown. Okay. Okay. Oh, downtown's entering. What time do you guys close? One a.m. Then you're in next year. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. There you have it. You hear that, Das Beer we're, Hall? We're coming for you. <laughs> we're coming for we're you, coming baby. For you. It's we're always gonna, fun. 
Yeah, we only had we only had a couple. They're gonna find pizza sauce like on their door, like like the red, like the blood of a lamb. Like I'm terrified, but this is delicious. We're gonna do. We're gonna prank, dude. We'll probably do that. Like shoot some kind of prank video where we're like fucking causing property damage. Yes, Um, dude. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to next year's because it's already getting heated. Especially now that you're entering the race. Oh, we're going. Like I'm. I've been watching this for a while. This year. Our big thing is the Baltimore Best of mm-hmm. Reader's Choice. We didn't get nominated last year. We were too new. Mm-hmm. And nominated us l- last week. There's there's another pizza place that like loves to brag that they won. Yeah. The last two years. They're not going to win this year. Uh-oh. Do we know this pizza place? Was this pizza That's... place perhaps part of the Baltimore Bar Classic bracket? I don't know. Were they? <laughs> Who was on there? I didn't see any pizza. I didn't look to see. Johnny Ray. No, yeah, I love Johnny Rack. Okay. Uh, yeah, dude, that place yeah. is fucking great. Oh, have yeah, you, I have love you had their um their going to their sausage place? Mm-mm. Uh Snake Hill. Great. Snake Hill Grill. Mm-hmm. Place is fucking fire. And I those gotta guys put them on like, next year too. Those guys do like I slept on them this year. They're big in like vegan food, like vegan alternatives and like meatless stuff. And like so they do like really good like meat and then they do like alternatives. Owner's super nice. Like, so we could bring in the vegan yeah. vote next year, dude. I have we have good vegan pizzas. The would, vegan vote could turn yeah. the tides of next year's thing. But yes, if you can get the vegans activated, <laughs> fucking. I drove my girlfriend, who's from Jersey, right outside of New York, uh, past Das Beer Hall on Joppa and Harford Road, and I was like, "See that? That's the bar that that's is the, the best bar in Baltimore." That's the one. And she was like, "What? Really?" And I was like, "Trust me, if you go inside, you'll I'm get it." S- I didn't get I'm it gonna, until I'm I went gonna, inside. I'm gonna like go by and like stuff mozzarella sticks in their keyhole. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, this is convenient. This is delicious. Put <laughs> <laughs> cheese pull on this. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we're. I feel like we did a record this time now. This too. is a world record, baby. Yeah, this is, and uh, these are always good. These are so easy to do. How many podcasts a year are you doing these days? I, this dude? is my first one this year. I haven't been doing any. Mm. I've been asked. You're just starting your press tour now. I feel like a lot of people have quit doing podcasts since COVID, since they, their jobs came back. Most people come to their senses <laughs> with podcasts. We, yeah, it's we a grind. Luckily, like, we started way before COVID. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, it's hard. we've had more than enough time to realize this is pointless. It's a reason to drink beer on a Monday night and watch exactly. basketball on my phone while I hang exactly. out two long pads. Well, cheers to that. We got Firm. We're sponsored by Firm this evening. We're normally, you know, I was actually planning. On being sponsored by Miller Lite this oh, evening. During this sponsorship, I'm gonna take. That's a piss. good beer though. Like you should go. You should come down with me one day and like. Fuck sure, me. I would love go to. Drink. They got a brewery where. Yep, it's in Crofton, right on Route Three. Excelente. Yeah. So uh, this podcast is not brought to you by Miller, even though I'm drinking Miller Lite and wearing a Miller Lite we hat that I found. Firm already. Uh, the firm, however. Sixers Stannin. lost tonight. By by the time you're listening to this, you would realize the Sixers are down. Did you put money on them? Up three two. No, I actually bet on Toronto tonight because wow. Sixers are gonna win four two. So, okay. Yep. Mark my words. P- press that bet next time. Press mm. that bet. Next Can time. I get a slice of pizza to shine to the camera real yeah, quick, sure. please? Any slice that you think? Oh, I'm, don't worry. I'm not going to write a Yelp review. <laughs> All right. This is the, what is this? Uh, that is the Destroyer. It's a vodka sauce, pepperoni, and red pepper flake. All right, folks, you hear it there first. You're looking at the Destroyer, baby. Vodka sauce, pepperoni, and red pepper flakes. Right up my alley, too. I like this. Let's get a bite of it. Underground pizza, Detroit-style pizza. Oh, yeah. Audio listeners. I'm going to go home and eat three pieces of pizza and watch Breaking Bad. 
Oh, we didn't even... Next episode, we're going to talk about how Netflix fucking sucks and their content's off. Oh, phenomenal. That's a whole episode. I love it. Yeah, we'll get that going next time. Right. Guys, Evan Weinstein of Underground Pizza. Thanks so much for having me. Anything you want to plug? Important? No, we'll be opening Towson soon. Come see us. You heard that, Undergroundpizza.co is our website. Cool. Um, Guys, Eric's taking a leak. In the meantime, I'll drop some serious plugs on you. Uh, this Tuesday, every single Tuesday at Perennial in Towson, I am there from 5 to 8.30. Uh, every Wednesday night at the horse you came in on, 9.30 to close. Yeah, just go around go around all the way around the back. I'm in hot water from a, a landlord. <laughs> <laughs> That's a story for another day, or immediately after we stop recording. Um... Every yeah, every Wednesday night at the horse you came in on, 9.30 to close with Jason Heiser. And uh, this weekend, this freaking, we're doing a little uh, expose, our semi-monthly, every six weeks, return to the Point in Towson with the band, 8.30 to 12.30. I hit him with a little classic negotiation. They were doing 9 to 1. I said, nah, son, 8 to 12. And we did that for a couple weeks, and it was awesome. And they were like, we can't let Jimmy win. 8.30 to 12.30. I said, all right, fine. You got yourself a goddamn deal. So we'll be there 8.30 to 12.30 this Saturday, April 30th, at the point in Towson. Outside of that, uh, yeah, Christos Anesti. My Easter was yesterday. So for all Greeks, Eastern Europeans, anybody, you know, that looks like me, happy Easter to you guys. Eric, anything coming up? Um... No, I just had a I had a big week last week. I had two shows in one night. Oh yeah, and that was the only two shows I did this month. But uh, but you know, yeah, it was fun. Did uh, did Umar's show on four twenty, uh, at Union, and we did like this like drunk versus high spelling bee, and uh, Union act actually won that. They won the drunk side. Nice. Uh, but I feel like it's kind of rigged because, like, they all work at a brewery. They're all drunk all the time anyway. Like, well, you got to assemble your best drinking squad, dude. I can't. I go down that right fucking now and spell anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was fun. And then did uh, Travis and Ian's show at the Crown afterwards. Good time. Uh, I got some stuff brewing in the works. Ooh. But I'll I'll keep everyone yeah. posted at Eric Laser on everything. Keep an eye out. And of course, a mutual plug, uh, guys. Saturday, May seventh at Das Beer Hall, your favorite bar of Baltimore. We are doing. Haven't come up with a cool sounding event name for it, but it's going to involve the fact that the winner of this competition gets the coveted booze belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the booze belt bequeathing. <laughs> the bequeathing. The booze belt bequeathing of Baltimore. Um, Saturday, May 7th. I think we're going to kick that off at 8 p.m. Uh, a lot of stuff is still in the works. We're going to have some comedians show up, do some sets. Uh, it's going to be headlined by a very popular Baltimore area band, Sophomore, which I just so happen to be in. Oh, yeah, one of Evan's favorite bands. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're going to have some cool drink specials there. If you're a listener of the podcast, you might recognize a couple. We're going to make that happen. Um, the Jimmy Seleski, a.k.a. Whiskey Diet Coke. Oh, yeah. Maybe a little Monster Aid, a little Monster Gatorade and some vodka to spice it up. Um, I don't think I told you this, but when I first messaged them that Thursday, then we did that podcast, and they hadn't responded yet. So I was thinking, oh, I don't think they're going to want to do this. 
Um, just because it was like, I sent him a long thing because I'm very clingy. I'm a stage five clinger when it comes to setting things up at bars. It's just part of my business. Mm-hmm. And so I messaged them all these ideas, didn't hear back from them. And so then five days later, I messaged them again and I was like, hey, if you guys don't want to do the party, I totally get it. I get it if it's like too much, but um, let's just set up a time when you're around so we can calm down and give you the belt and the bracket and snap a couple of pictures for the gram. And they immediately <laughs> got back to me and were like, no, we definitely want to do this party. I was like, <laughs> okay, fuck yeah, let's make it happen. So it's fucking happening, baby. Uh, yeah. Saturday, May 7th, 8 p.m., going all night. Get yourself some Jimmy Selesky, some Monster Age, maybe a little uh, gin and tonics. That's a summer favorite of the cast, sure, you know? yeah. Maybe a little High Life Mimosa, Miller High Life Ooh. and Orange Juice, a champagne of beers with a little orange juice. That's, that sounds yeah. fancy. Oh, it's not only fancy, it's fucking good. Um, but yeah, so check that out. At LFTS Podcast on everything. You can follow Evan Weinstein at Laser Jew, correct? Correct. At Laser Jew. With a Z. With a Z. And then Underground Pizza MD. And Underground Pizza MD. Also check out Moonrise at Moonrise at Steez promo. And we have Reggae Rise Up coming. And reggae Rise all Up. All kinds of cool stuff coming to the area. Nice. Lots of pizza. Hell yeah, cool. baby. Uh, folks. Oh, and we'll be at Preakness. We will be, Underground Pizza will be serving pizza at Preakness. Then I might Ooh, be at Preakness for the big. first time ever. You're, Jimmy Seleski is making a an Preakness debut. He's yeah. going to sign your pizza. <laughs> 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 folks, check us on everything. Till next week. Peace. Peace. Always legendary.